Welcome to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoteric Nerd Podcast, Episode 95, in which I interview Very Honored Frater R.C. But first, the real Rosen <laughs> This is the segment in which Frater IT recites the Fama Fraternitatis in the original German, and I in the original English translation, all the while listening to music from The Legend of Zelda. Obwohl wir aber freiwillig bekennen, Although we do now freely confess that the world is much amended within an hundred years, yet we are assured that our axiomata shall unmovably remain unto the world's end, and also the world in her highest and last age shall not attain to see anything else, for our rota takes her beginning from that day when God spake fiat, and shall end when he speak periot, yet God's clock striketh every minute, where ours scarce striketh perfect hours. We also steadfastly believe that if our brethren and fathers had lived in this our present and clear life, they would more roughly have handled the Pope, Mohammed, scribes, artists, and sophisters, and had showed themselves more helpful, not simply with sighs and wishing of their end and consummation. When now these eight brethren had disposed and ordered all things in such manner, as there was not now need of any great labor, and also that everyone was sufficiently instructed and able perfectly to discourse of secret and manifest philosophy. They would not remain any longer together, but as in the beginning they had agreed, they separated themselves into several countries, because that not only their axiomata might in secret be more profoundly examined by the learned, but that they themselves, if in some country or other they observed anything, or perceived some error, they might inform one another of it. Their agreement was this. First, that none of them should profess any other thing than to cure the sick, and that gratis. Two, none of the posterity should be constrained to wear one certain kind of habit but therein to follow the custom of the country. Three, that every year upon the day C, they should meet together at the house S. Spiritus, or write the cause of his absence. Four, every brother should look out for a worthy person whom after his decease might secede him. Five, the word CR should be their seal mark, and character. 6. The fraternities should remain secret 100 years. These six articles they bound themselves one to another to keep, and five of the brethren departed. Only the brethren B and D remained with the father Frater R.C. a whole year. 
When these likewise departed, then remained by him his cousin and brother J.O., so that he hath all the days of his life with him two of his brethren. And although that as yet the church was not cleansed, nevertheless we know that they did think of her, and with what longing desire they looked for. Every year they assembled together with joy, and made a full resolution of that which they had done. There must certainly have been great pleasure to hear truly and without invention related and rehearsed all the wonders which God hath poured out here and there through the world. Every one may hold it out for certain that such persons as were sent and joined together by God and the heavens and chosen out of the wisest of men as has lived in many ages did live together above all others in highest unity, greatest secrecy, and most kindness, one towards another. Our guest tonight is a very old friend. So, without further ado, let's get to the interview, shall we? Greetings, Fratter. Welcome to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. <laughs> Can you hear me okay? <laughs> yeah. Just got to do my canned intro, you know. Yeah. It's all about the canned <clears throat> intros. How you been? Oh, uh, gosh. You know, well. On the various levels. I mean, busy. On the various levels. There's so many levels. Yeah, yeah, to where to begin. Well, Halloween is always, you know, a transformative, powerful time. Yeah. It's never what you expect it to be, hmm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely I'll be at a seance this time. Oh, yeah? The first uh, 360-degree live broadcast seance, if I'm not mistaken. That's, uh, that's, that's okay. Say more. <laughs> Something. That's at the Crooked Path in uh, Burbank. Uh, but people, I guess it'll be on YouTube live. Wow. Yeah. You're already. Well, we used to. <laughs> We used to talk about that a lot. I, I mean, it's just uh, it's fascinating how how out in the open everything can be. And you know, I always found that to be the case. The more the more secretive you were, the more suspicious it was, or whatever. The <laughs> it was uh, once someone told me they're like, "Oh, I just leave my grade books and occult stuff lying around, and my girlfriends they they never they never even take notice of it. But as soon as you put it in like a clothing drawer or something, <laughs> right, hide it. And, her friends some dis- underwear. You know, discovering my Wicca books when I was like 12 years old and I, I was like the shame and, the, and one of them was like my mom does that I was like we were like oh my god hmm. Satan yeah <laughs> those were that you know that, that was that was a different era yeah 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's been very interesting hearing, especially in the last year since we tried to do this. Because I don't know for for whoever oh, this listening. is like our fourth time trying to record an episode. I think this, I think. this, this is the second time we but we recorded once before for like three and a half hours, and then there was it wasn't saved. Yeah, it didn't record. We tried to do. Yeah, that's that. That was probably a good thing because we really got into a lot of stuff. Yeah, like, I think it was, was good for you and I to talk yeah. and kind of find out where <laughs> yeah, we were both maybe at. It. But it's, I mean, it, it, you know, Joe was there, so that's kind of sad that we lost that. That is, that is very sad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Do we have to go there right away? Oh no! I mean, so, people already know well, from if they're if they're if they've heard previous episodes, people. Yeah. We talked about it with Daniel, but yeah, we can we can come back to that if you'd like. <laughs> but I mean, you know, moment of silence for Joe, of course. But yeah, you you well, just right off the bat, just so people who are about to like get bored and tune out um, get the thrust of the point. You have a book out, book out right now that people might want to yeah. download or or look at in time for Halloween. Yeah, it's 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 an old uh, script for. Uh, ceremony of Azrael invocation and uh you know celtic psychopomp mysteries for a group setting that's got some uh, really good formulas in it and really uh fun sort of scripted parts that can be adjusted as people want you know the old school psychodrama stuff that we learned yeah. so well with and uh yeah that's always been a big love of mine in, in the tradition is to write those things and so this was an old script that i found which was from the very last time that we all did uh a big Azrael invocation ceremony back in 2009. I guess it was a reunion of sorts before the, the mm. end of the end. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was a powerful night, interesting night. Again, very transformative. I don't think most most of us never saw each other again after that. Hmm. I guess it was nine years ago. Well, I'm trying yeah. to get my friend Robbie to go to an Osriel, and he's he's paranoid that it's gonna like bring a death energy. So we got we I, <laughs> he might hear this and be like, "Oh, I never saw anybody again. I don't want to not see anybody again." So I'm gonna not go to the Osriel. So why why should a person invoke Osriel? Like, uh, what's the benefit of like, let's say a beginner uh, looking into it, or would you advise against it? I mean, tr- traditionally, I think people are advised definitely against that in the beginning, right? I mean, right. I was I remember I was told to wait to like practicus before you even consider it and then a bunch of adepts all freaked out and were like no 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 that's all you can't touch Azrael till you're an adept of mm-hmm. course and then you know we both know that there's you know but then there's then there's stories of you know certain senior adepts starting practice scryers with the 30th ether because it's closest to the material plane right hmm. we know those stories so, yeah uh, and i know i did Azrael work that's um, our own with my right. with my mom and uh, Lola, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me name dropping her on the yeah. the Osriel work we did in the uh, Hollywood Cemetery. Well, yeah, it was it was it was yeah. Back then, I mean, I missed a lot of the more rugged early days, but because I was you know I was abroad for so much. Yeah. Time, but, uh, but yeah, but you guys did a lot of really fun experimental stuff back in there. But that's how it always is before you get before you get to a certain size as an organization, right? right? Yeah, and then it becomes more kind of encrusted, and there's like rules and. Well, it happened, that's what happened with the early churches. Same stuff, right? Once yeah. they're in the catacombs, all these deep mysteries and these powerful long, uh, you know, ceremonies and fastings and and stuff, and then you get to a bigger. Next thing you know, we have mega churches. Right. And, yeah. yeah evangelical <laughs> broadcast tv and 
all that. So it's it changes yeah. the way it, it change. I don't know. I think it affects the difference between sacred and profane space. It makes it harder to maintain them. They get blurred, and next thing you know, you know, spiritual transformation becomes how much money do I have? Right. Well, it's interesting that example. It went through the hourglass of, of course, the Council of Nicaea, and then part of it, part of what the catacombs was you know, remained in that, that narrow part of the hourglass by way of the Vatican. Um, and you know, one could say like Greek Orthodoxy and Russian Orthodoxy and Serbian, like all the Orthodox churches are remaining in that space of, we have the only truth. It's the truth that was written down in 325. Let us explain it to you again. You know, where, um, because of thanks to the Gutenberg press and a few other, you know, Luther, Martin Luther, um, <clears throat> the first one, uh, you know, now then it went out the other side of the hourglass, and so now we have mega churches, but we also have all these different denominations, all these different writings. We have C.S. Lewis, you know, like a, a, a whole plethora, if you will, of, of 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 ways of looking at Christianity. Yeah. Where at the beginning there was also a plethora of ways of looking at Christianity, and even even those old texts are making a comeback in the form of Gnostic churches and groups. So it's, well, Gnosticism's gotten huge, right? Yeah, Which yeah. is interesting because I've spent so much of my career, especially my academic life, writing against Neoplatonism and just Platonism in general. Hmm. Uh, it's funny to see Gnosticism coming back, and it, it. But I'm suspicious of the the philosophical underpinnings behind how it's mostly received, because I know there's not, you know, they don't really get that deep into the philosophy of what is Gnosticism, and Gnosticism in history was so many different things, like many, many dozens of different things. Like right. you, it, Gnosticism's, the different branches of it contained more varieties, perhaps, than Christian churches that we have today. Hmm. And there's just so many, I mean, Including, you Including, know, like, Branch Davidians and that's not and even talking. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, I mean, if you, if you count... If you count those. <laughs> there's a... There's a there's a, you know there's there's problems with with both of those in terms of classical Christianity, right. especially Nicene, because Nicaea decided that God is one, and Jehovah's recognized Jehovah's Witnesses recognize three separate supernatural entities, hmm. and that's problematic for uh, Monotheism, I think. Interesting. That's that's something people actually over gloss over a bit, and uh, you know Mormonism just has a whole bunch of other Masonic fun embedded deeply into it. Yeah, but I mean, right there in the center of the hourglass, it's just the Council of Nicaea <laughs> and the seven ecumenical councils. These these are the things I find like theologically fun. I mean, we can you can go to bat against any of them, especially like the orthodoxies, all the doxies, and. All that stuff. I mean, but you know, the most of the best. It's always about the people, and the, I've met great people in every yeah. single branch, flavor, and and it's you know, uh, most of my favorite ones are the ones that always expose <clears throat> doctrine or dogma with a slight smirk or a wink, you know. And I know most of the priests and religious people that educated me throughout my life. Most of them were academic, scholar, intellectuals. So they're sort of hybrids, but they're also at the same time sort of the mainstream leadership of the church. You just don't notice them much because they're so busy actually doing what they're doing. And, yeah. you know, which is highly focused on social change. I mean, it's not, it's, there's like a heavy dose of, you know, rigorous academic scholarship. And then on the other side, you have a high dose of social change and hard work. Like, I mean, one of my favorite theologians is the, is the Irish guy, uh, Franciscan, Jeremy O'Murhu, who's from County Cork. And he, one of his great books is called, 
quantum theology where he you know does I one of the first that's yeah, one of the first attempts to meld quantum physics into theology and he he said to me that it, once he read quantum physics, theology just started making more sense to him. Mm-hmm. A lot of his writings circle around uh, the loci of power in Ireland, where the, where the pagan churches were, where you know where the statues of Mary are now. He'll look at like, well, why is that the statue there? And they'll say, well, that's because that's where the rock was, and why is the rock there? Well, that was you know the place where the power was, and mm-hmm. it just goes all the way back. And you know, there's less division of it over there. And he studied a lot of that in his. Uh, his sort of quantum theological writings, but he's still at the same time he's a you know hardcore Franciscan uh, religious, and and most of his work is done his his basis is in London's poor district where he just works you know with people, poor people. Nice, yeah. I, was, I mean, um, what a mixture of social change and academic rigor, hey? Yeah, yeah. I was pointing out um, in my uh, workshop the other day that. A lot of the, like, basically, when you were, if you wanted to do things that weren't really condoned by the church, then the best place to be was inside the church. Because <laughs> if you were a Jesuit priest or a Benedictine abbot, then you could get away with being Athanasius Kircher or Johannes Trithemius. No, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, in present day, it still goes on, I guess. I mean, I know there's uh, there's like a... Knights of the, the Knights of the Templar of the Holy Sepulchre, something like that, uh, an order that exists within like the Catholic Church. And I remember uh, the priest at the church I used to sing at was initiated into it and showing people his uh, his little pins, and it was like, hmm, interesting. So, so they're going to own that even after they killed them all. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Yeah, well, I did the basic sort of family stuff, like you know, like the. Knights of Columbus, the Roman Catholic Church, and then of course the Freemasons from my great grandfather. Now, can, but can, is none it of the, true? either of those stuck at all. Yeah, uh, really. I heard there's a something in the Knights of Columbus, like maybe an old book, but it says if you can kill a Catholic and get away with it, you should. Or not a Catholic, a, a Freemason. If you can get away with oh, killing yeah, a Freemason, yeah. you should do it. <laughs> they were they were sort of they were sort of made up as as a as a foil to the Freemasons. Like you know, the Catholics were like, "Well, we need a version." Yeah. You know, like kids in a candy store. I, if he has that, I want that too. Yeah. And that's you know that's that's, that's the problem. One you know that's the problem side of all this. And that's what why I was making the point earlier. It's about the people. It's you know never yeah. about the flavor of the faith. I mean, one of the reasons things I like about your your work online is that you've been making such a great movement toward. Uh, unification and overlooking what divides us and looking for what unites us. As oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Practitioners. Well, that's what, always what I've admired. I mean, you know, heaven help me uh, if I recount the stories you told me of, of running into uh, was it, I don't know, it was it was someone at the door. It was, you know, missionaries at the door. And oh, yeah, that was my dad. He came from a lecture. <laughs> Oh, was it your dad? That's yeah, why, he, that's why you told oh, that oh, story. Oh, oh, oh no! There was there was my version. There, there was, was the time many. There was the time the Mormons came to my house and uh, and I I sat down with them and talked to them and I ended up like causing one of them to have a crisis of faith and then but then there was uh, my dad in 1982 or something. There were Jehovah's Witnesses that came to the door and he answered it naked and he was a really big guy with a beard and and he said, uh, "You have disturbed the great ritual. You must leave now, but stay on the path, for there are nuns buried in the yard." And then he slammed the door and they ran off. Yeah, yeah, that's classic. <laughs> he was a little bit less uh, ecumenical. I, I, yeah, I, I you know, <laughs> you got to have your fun with it. Especially, I mean, there was a lot more hostility, sort of, 
even, you know, <laughs> back then, even, even when I was young, right. There was a lot of sort of, you, you well, there was the satanic really, panic and any, anything weird. Yeah. Oh, well we all, you know, it was like, you, it became hard to wear a trench coat oh, overnight. Yeah. yeah. I did, I did open the door to, to Jehovah's Witness, no Mormons once with a black robe and in my Wiccan. I think I was 13 at the time, my half name. Uh, nice. I did that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I, I think, I don't think we were actually, I wasn't actually doing any work at the time. It just, it was just something uh, we had to do. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Well, you know, that was our, I, my idea of, of reckless teenage life. <laughs> then you get back to reading your Lefis Levy. <laughs> you know, and catching up on, you know, Agrippa. Yeah. For people who are, you know, listeners of the podcast who don't know, should I, should we, how, what should we know you as? Like what name or names do you want revealed? Oh, I like RC. RC. I mean, everyone I know still knows it. Cool. So, um, so I, should we I, veil I like your other name or? No, we can, we can avoid that for now. Okay. How about I mean, I'm in, bands? I'm in a career transition. I mean, it's not like I hide it exactly, but right. it's you know, it's a career career transition time, and I'm yeah, trying to uh, exit gracefully from my past career and into this new third phase of life. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm also don't want any like disturbance, uh, you know, on the. I just like I've got I've got family members dying and stuff, so it's like oh, just man. keep 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 the keep the volume low. Extra energy. Yeah. 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 Like my mom just told me she had cancer, so oh Jesus, that's that's like uh, that's really that's just yeah, yeah just yesterday or the day before I don't know. I'll, it's been I'll get into my where, astral vault and uh, send yeah. some of that good pink energy over. Please do, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, she wouldn't want me, of course, saying that, but she'd love work. She'd totally love that. Her memory's not really what it is. She doesn't remember, you know, a lot of the things we talk about from one time to the next. So. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, so who is Fred or RC? Like, just uh, people. Well, you know, uh, I I know, yeah. but I mean, I mean, I all, everything we've talked about didn't get recorded. So, what do you want people to know about Fred or RC? This is this is your opportunity to write your autobiography real quick. Or, well, I already oh, yeah, or not I, real quick. I, so I, I I so that's yeah, you're right. You're you're totally right. So you can check out my autobiography online, <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> along with everything else. Oh, okay. Um, it'll be out. It'll be out in the next uh, few weeks. Oh, nice. It's not by the end of the week, though. It might be on pre-order. I don't know because there's so many that I'm releasing. Yeah. So how do we get to these books if people don't have? These are all on Kindle, Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we go to Amazon and and type in Fred or RC. Yeah, you can do that. And then that'll come come up with everything. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, the Azrael invocation was the first I released because it was you know Halloween and. I was, uh, you know, I've been doing the experimenting of, you know, well, we'll talk about my own alchemy some other time, but mm. maybe not right. But yeah, here, how how do I pitch this? It's, uh, you know, the invocations are modeled on the classic ones we know and love of for Osiris and Isis and that sort of thing. And as you know, I wrote a few back in the day and they became sort of overnight standards and it's, uh, but they were never released or added to the great material because as you know, uh, uh, was pretty uh, tight-fisted with what got in and out of grade material. Didn't really expand and contract too much until the end when, of course, he turned it all over to me to rewrite entirely. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I only got up to Theoricus before, you know, this schism happened. But it was a it was a lot of work. That's one of the reasons why I was so sort of out of touch with the politics of, you know, why everyone was so upset about politics and bantering. I had so much work to do. I was just right. overwhelmed with how much work I was doing and no one really had any understanding of it. Like it, it you know, it definitely overthrew my life. Yeah, I think we, we had a, a top heavy situation most of the time down in California. So every, like we had, you know, initiations where everybody was in the second order. Or, you know, like we, we had a rule that every all the major officers had to be in the second order, where in Canada there was a practicus that was cancellarious, you know, and, and stuff like that. We never had a practicus that was cancellarious. Never, ever. No, that, well, that was, that was a, that Unofficial. was a sort of assistant. I'll believe that yeah. of course. <laughs> well, there'd be assistance, right? And then, right. You know, well, she, she was an else. assistant, but there was nobody else there. Like she was the one doing it. Oh, well, that would have been in the last, like, you know, the closing down months. Yeah. I think, yeah, oh, that was. Sure. I think yeah well in the closing down months yeah that was a that was a totally different scenario really yeah well that was schism that was like you know that's hardcore like schism you know all we needed was crowley in the street with a mask and the picture <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean we had david griffin he did his magic act and well you know so like that was one of the things they were up uh, people were asking yeah. me recently because i got accosted by my beloved fratters um on the street not on the street you know we got together it was it was really interesting over the winter to uh reconnect with some uh, old friends and new ones and uh yeah i got they there was a lot of there was questions about what actually happened with david griffin's whole thing and it was funny it was a funny story too oh like, yeah like, i remember yeah, that you know he, he like, showed you know, up he, he broke into the front door like, what? they're like you know all you needed was like it was almost like a comedy routine like a laugh track like you know you could see him just sort of tripping over the the, the metal iron fence that was meshed up and you know quite stylishly and gothically i might add and you know then falling onto the sofa over the bikes and like you know knocking over santa's christmas cookies and books <laughs> on his head and our you know there we go then we got this imposing beautiful sentinel goddess uh <laughs> with a massive like the sword was fucking huge that i could barely lift it when i when i first got a chance to touch it i think i when i was in zelator like in 97 i guess yeah Mm -hmm. nice. and Probably. I could barely lift it because it was it was forged next door at the steel shop that was being run by you know our one of our stores and and uh, it was massive it was like you could not lift it like the thing was probably like five and five feet long yeah <laughs> and it wasn't really sharp but it was pointy and like you would just drop it on someone and it would probably kill them so that was pretty you know but she could this you know uh, we had pillars at isis um, toward the, toward the yeah. end that if they fell on you know i was always ready to go sacrifice my life to save the neophytes you know if it if someone bumped into it and it fell over because it was so damn huge and heavy <laughs> yeah no, it's uh it's crazy some of the some of the sizes of remember that huge double cubicle altar yeah, that came up to do. like the the shoulder yeah. <laughs> that's awesome yeah i yeah we had we had big stuff yeah um, so so someone came up with the sword to yeah, griffin well, yeah well yeah the set well he comes he just like you know so there was a ceremony got, happening he, the, yeah we were in the middle of an initiation he like <laughs> tries to break in I mean, the story I, that apparently he tells is that he like walked into the the place invisible and appeared on the 
Hierophant's throne and dodging the heroin curse, needles cast and crap pipes. Yeah. yeah, you know, cast a curse over the whole place and masturbated. But <laughs> no, he like he just sort of was like, "Yo, can I come in? I'm David Griffin." I'm like, get the fuck out of here, douchebag! And I, you know, I came running up behind uh, our sentinel and was like, "What the hell?" And then, yeah, then he, you know, got thrown the hell out. Hmm. So yeah, it wasn't Aleister Crowley in the streets and <laughs> no, no Yates, despite loving to write about him. Um, yeah, that was just. But you went through two schisms. There was the earlier schism with uh, Fred or Ka. Oh, well, there episode so ten. Well, I missed that one. I missed that one because I was I was in school in. Vienna. Oh, okay, but you were that was the, technically yeah, I was in Vienna. And then I came back and time. met with you guys for. Yeah, I was a yeah. member. I mean, I was from from when I joined. Up until I joined, and then I did all of Neophyte. Uh, I had to do that alone because I was 15, and right. they were worried about mixing me with all the adults. Mm-hmm. So you know, they had me trained completely separately, and that's something that you can read about. It's it's interesting. a really interesting story for me to have gone through that that way. And then I was uh, did the quote unquote year abroad in Vienna, getting away from my mad family, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, and uh, that then when I came, I came back and flew straight down to Power Week and uh, met met you. Oh you know, yeah, and, and I remember that moment. I uh, I had just you? finished a gig in Pasadena. That's and, right. Yeah, and well, uh, yeah. At, at the Loft, which doesn't exist anymore, but it's on Green Street for anybody who knows Pasadena, uh, in Old Town, what they call Old Town, um, which was invented in like 1991. Um, but anyway. Uh, what am I talking about? Yeah, so so there was a bunch of people, and we were all coming back in separate cars, and we all walked in. People were loud, and then you were there, and like three other people, like sitting on the couch. And yeah, so was, I think that was actually the second time we met. And that was that was that was oh. when you were, you were in Philosophist then, and I was in Practicus then. Oh, when when was the first that, time? Yeah, uh, the first time would have been Power Week '97. So oh. when I was in Zelator and you were in Theoricus, you were the first person. You were the first time I heard. Oh, I don't think so. Really? Yeah, you I showed wasn't up, there I think, for the party at the end of the week. Maybe I was. I, did I? Did I? Was my? Was I all beat up? Mm-mm. I, I no, got I, beat up that week. No, I, I, I was in the hospital. Oh, really? Yeah. How sure, I, I'm pretty sure I remember you. I can. I'm gonna. I'll go back through the photos and see if I can find you. Yeah, that was the one Polk Running came to. Maybe I did. Uh, no, that Pope. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you you could be right. Uh, yeah, you were right. Cipher manuscripts. That. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember my mom telling me about that, and like yeah, there was this right. weird history. I forgot between... about Pope. Yeah, he's a yeah. he's a character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was definitely a mind blowing experience for me. How cool! Yeah, I I, mean, I um I was right. thick in my like what happened was uh there's a guest uh somewhere in the in the twenties I won't I won't name him specifically um because he's now gone on to a different career. Uh, but I interviewed him on the podcast, but we didn't reveal that he used to be my teacher in the Golden Dawn. Um, so he had gotten, uh, so they had like stolen his journal, the Second Order at ISIS, and like um, photocopied incriminating pages from his personal diary and uh, handed them out to the Second Order that was present. And then when he arrived for the Sunday meeting, they had all read it. And they had all already like decided to throw him out, or you know, basically to have this tribunal about it. And um, so, 
or somehow he was able to tell me about it before the tribunal. So I gave him the advice uh, that he should he should you know say okay yeah I'm guilty of writing that in my personal journal. Um, I would like to take a vote you know an anonymous vote and uh, everybody let me know was it right for them to take my journal and photocopy it. And everybody said no, except one person said yes, and one person said yes and no. And um, so then he left. And, and yeah, at that time, I was like, look, Mom, I, uh, I appreciate, like, the teachings, but the, the people that are in power are fucked. And so I'm not, I don't want anything to do with that organization anymore. So this was, um, I decided I wanted to go up to Philosophus and leave in Philosophus, not in Practicus. I, I went up to, to Philosophus and then left, basically. And uh, then... That's right. And then, That's right. so I was directing a play, and then we, were st we started a band, and uh, then I got beat up. <laughs> it was really stupid. <laughs> but, yeah, so I ended up in the hospital. Um, yeah, so, so uh, 90, uh, by 98, by Power Week 98, that was... Uh, that was the one that I was around. I've, I went down uh, the other day to uh, Echo Park Lake, and uh, they have lotuses there. Uh, they weren't blooming, but uh, I had I had a tea like a tea ceremony. Someone did like a Chinese tea ceremony for a friend of mine and I, and uh, I was remembering about how when they did the ISIS invocation in uh, Power Week 1996, she had the Texans. You know, you remember the Texans, right? Um, oh yes, and and one guy from from Pennsylvania who give him a shout out. Left after that, um, uh, and and they put on boots and were like wading out into Echo Park Lake in the middle of the night illegally to steal lotuses for the invocation of ISIS the next day. <laughs> oh, so we had Boy, real lotuses there. That was oh, my I miss mom. those guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I stay in, in touch with them. Uh, yeah, I, I stay in know, touch with them. I, it was a little rough getting through the, the election, but, you know, like, once I realized, like, that I'd rather maintain, like, you know, the love of, of brotherhood than, than permanently shun people in the name of just not being able to understand why they would support Trump, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> you know, now it's like, okay, well, we're still, we're still brothers. We're still magicians. We still have a lot of things in common. We just apparently don't see eye to eye on some really fundamental things, you know? Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's how it is. I think it's just one of them that that's like that. But, but the other ones are like, yeah, I think he's just fucking with everybody. <laughs> like he's just being contrary for the sake of being contrary. <laughs> but maybe not. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I, I I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm. I can guess who we're talking about, but I'm not sure. Oh, it's I okay. Know. Yeah, yeah. I I don't really. You know. Again, for me, the politics is. Uh... <laughs> like that's literal politics because there was order politics, but then there's like government politics, world politics. Yeah. I yeah. I guess. I don't even know where to begin on the state of politics. <laughs> I don't have much. I mean, it's not really. Uh, I don't know. Is it fruitful to talk about it? In you know, it's interesting. We, we I talking mean, about we spirituality that we well, don't normally I mean, talk about. I mean, like, where are the lines? Because they used to put a line between like sexuality and religion. You know, like, is is there really a line between magic and politics? You know, I mean, especially with that fucking frog. Well, you know? no, I mean, I mean, that's that. It's a you know, I guess that you could call it even. I mean, that was just, that was the subject that ended. 
that changed my life that caused the schism up here that like you know ruptured like Bush uh, becoming president well just all the fallout after that you know Mm. and all like all the madness like you know when we when when me and and the other uh you know Mm-hmm. All the, all the, me, like they, the, the entire, you, you remember the whole, all of, the whole country up here was gonna was schisming off, and uh, right. you know I ended up writing with the other, you know I went with the other adepts just to prevent like complete shattering, and you know we wrote that whole document, and a lot of it was taking aim at at weird stuff like borderline, if not flat out black magic stuff going on. In the name of politics and and uh, you know attacks against lawyers and David Griffin's drama and all that stuff. Yeah, and that, that guy's really caused a lot of grief, eh? <laughs> hmm. David Griffin or Voldemort? <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, what's the difference? I guess that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, well, now it seems like David Griffin I mean, is the one that has an order. Politics. Like, what's the difference between <laughs> electing Hitler or Cthulhu? <laughs> I mean, there's interesting things to observe in the uh, evolution of technology alongside the politics. You know, like, do you do you keep up with that that show uh, Black Mirror? I watched a little bit. It's yeah. so good. There's one that kind of uh, was a little too prophetic. I think that was it was it was not the greatest episode, but it was where this uh, this cartoon took over and became president. Or, or became prime minister or something like that um, by by just being outrageous and disgusting and talking about its boner and then talking shit about everybody else and, and interrupting them. And then everybody just loved him. And then they elected this cartoon character. And then, you know, but that was before Trump. That was like before he was, I think, even uh, talking about running or, you know. So it's like really odd how on point that episode was for what ended up happening it was just like, Everybody had to talk about him because he was the thing that was going on, and then somehow just the fact that everybody kept saying his name resulted in his being president. It's really weird, but you know, also yeah. ma- also magic, not 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 in a good way, but like it's you know when you get everybody saying the same thing, that's powerful, you know. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is indeed. Things are coming to light. People are you know like this. Getting rid of the Weinstein guy. People are talking more about the day to day like shit that women have to go through with you know asshole men everywhere not that all men are assholes of course but a lot of them like you know i i i'll have like a friend and then i'll be like you know oh yeah i love so and so and then like you know a girl will come around and then i'll see like how he interacts with her i'm like wow he's totally socially socially inept when it comes to uh relating with the opposite sex you know and and it's like well yeah. you know it's like well to me he's a great guy we'd have drinks we'd talk shit you know but not to, not to not to the opposite sex. The whole half of the population of the world has trouble with this guy, you know. But, you know. So it's like, yeah, that whole thing of like, okay, at what point do you call them out? You know, or, or what point do you do you say, hey, can we talk about the inherent chauvinism and what you're saying right now? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like I've, you know, I've caused people to like not want to be my friend anymore by pointing stuff like that out. Yeah, well, I, yeah, that's, it's, it's, uh, it's a hard one. And uh, honestly, like, I mean, my my life's pushed me it pretty much always pushes me more towards uh, a zero tolerance hmm. of all of that sort of stuff it's i just yeah as i've got you know the older i get the harder it is to i mean that's why a lot of people you just can't uh, you can't keep around right i think yeah, in, when i was younger i used is, to argue is, where now i block i don't think either one is good but <laughs> 
you know. I block so that I don't argue, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Because I used to, like, have to jump on it, and then I'd spend the whole day, like, worrying about when someone was going to reply to something I forgot that I wrote yesterday. Like, that was basically 2000, 2001, you know, when I was, like, full steam internet asshole for the order, you know. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I guess I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you didn't talk to me for many years after the schism. Yeah. Oh, Even yeah, the way that LA it was framed... It was it was it was all framed, of course, by Voldemort. You know, well, as, everyone gets demonized. That's normal, man. Yeah, yeah. It was it was the way that it was put was, you know, like after the two of them left, that it came to you to be Imperator, and then the first thing you did, without telling him or without consulting anyone, was close the temple just because you guys <laughs> yeah. owed money that's like, or something. That's that's not really very true, is it? Yeah, that sounds like not a. <laughs> not not a not a complete story. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I've. I. You know. We've gone over it. I've written about it. Oh. Okay. Yeah. People. Can read. Yeah. You read and I had a whole long talk with it, and I walked some of the other. And then I guess you called me yeah. when I was in a like blackout drunk, and I told you you were an asshole or something, and then I, I totally have no memory of that. I have no memory of that. I don't think. Oh. That okay. Happened. That oh, else. I didn't. Oh, really? I thought that yep, was you. You're, you're in the clear there. Oh, okay, good. Wow, who was that? <laughs> I, you know, I wasn't. That's why. That's why I was in LA so much. I traveled pretty much nonstop from yeah. the the temple ended. I finished. Uh, uh, you know, I finished training for the priesthood, finished seminary, and then I moved to Europe for doctoral studies, and then uh, just stayed on the road. I was doing three jobs, like with along with studying for my PhD and. Yeah, I was just I was I was in, in the same country for much more than three months at a time. Yeah, place here and in Europe, and I was bouncing around. So I I would be shocked if you ever had called me at all. But we never ever. Spoke I thought you had called months. me and and once uh, when I was in L.A. I was I was out with uh, you know, one of our sores from the olden days, and we were, she uh, she met me at the hotel that the company had put me up at, and we had dinner, and she she just uh, she called you and just urged me to. She was talking to you, and she just urged me to say hello, and I said hello, and that was it. You just oh, okay. Up. So, yeah, but that was that like, must have been the one like I remember because I was that at was like 2000. Maybe you were drunk then. 2006. Yeah, I was. I was yeah, at. Um, it, was late at night. it was late at night. I I I told her not to call you. <laughs> yeah, I was. I think I was because I have all these memories of the she, art walk. She, she was never an adept. She never understood how the whole process of like. Oh yeah, how weird it was that Robert put three people through. I mean, like he yeah. he literally. He literally gave us lectures on demonizing people. I mean, as you know, like, I mean, he tried to separate me from my own family for years. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't need to get into that again, but that was like, you know. It was brutal stuff. It was fucked there, up. Yeah, there was a reason, you know. I mean, sure, was he, was I his whipping boy because I was being groomed or you know, who really cares at the end of the day? Right. And for me, that was never my spiritual path to even question that, which is why I was able to take it because – you know, I didn't see it as abuse of power or even physical abuse. I saw it as uh, me enduring, going through my alchemy. And sure, is that right. a, perhaps a victim mentality? Maybe a little bit. Well, you know, and that definitely relates to my childhood. But these are all things I've learned, of course, since then. That's why I had to take that long break and just sort of let my circle dissolve and yeah. uh, find out what was underneath it all. 
which happens i think you start seriously building your circle in in your spiritual practice at a young age right you know the whole well yeah there's the traditional you know more traditionally uh you know in like uh non-hermetic kabbalah like in in jewish kabbalah from what i understand they recommend waiting until you're 40 married your kids are you know in school and you you have your your money taken care of your income taken care of you have your house then start studying kabbalah and there's like now that i'm like i'm going to be 40 in like 10 minutes um i get i get why you know like because i didn't do any of the things that you're supposed to do (laughs) you know from 16 on pretty much i graduated high school barely and then from there on i just was at the temple all the time and it's been good recently to kind of discover that i can i can reframe all of those years in a way that i can like for example the podcast the workshop I'm doing right now, like, and then I, I want to go to Asia so oh, that I have I more than just the workshop. Oh, what's that? I wish I was there for the workshop. So <laughs> I'll send you the, uh, the handouts if you want. Oh, please. There's a lot of stuff in there. Nothing you don't know, but just kind of the way that I'm trying to summarize like whole grades in like a nine page handout, you know? Um, hey man, you know it's it's all uh, totally it's all about the presentation and the fucking I love the pedagogy and hermeneutics of all of it. I mean that's what I write about in my main main professional life, as yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean my big book like is coming out in my main life, so that's actually like that's why I'm not there's not too much uh, esoteric stuff coming out right now because my big book on ethics is coming out. <laughs> now one thing sort of a. It's sort of a, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of shocking, I guess. It's, I mean, atheistic, naturalistic, and based on ethics and dialogue and politics. Yeah. But right, I released an introduction to that on, on the hermetic spiritualism behind yeah. a lot of my ways of interpreting philosophy, the history of philosophy and intellectual thought. For me, the, the blind man and the elephant scenario, you know that one? where they, they all have a different part of the elephant, and so they're, they're arguing with each other, but they're actually all correct about the elephant. One's describing a tail, one's describing a trunk. I think that atheists, like, they're looking straight into the abyss, or maybe at Ein, and, uh, you know, like, getting, like, well, let's get to the point, you know, like, Ein, right? And it's like, well, yeah, you know, but, like, where someone who's a very dogmatic Christian is looking more at Typhirid, or more at some aspect of Yisod, or maybe somewhere in, in the astral plane, or, yeah. you know, swearing, but uh, but then to swear by reason, that's like Hod, and, uh, and Ein, <laughs> like an atheist who's very reasonable and does everything according to reason, but then what they, what they call a dangerous kind of nihilist or nihilist, I guess, would be someone who, like, uh, is looking straight into the abyss and then operating based on their desire if the desire hasn't been gone through any any processes of purification or if it's uh, rooted in, you know, the lower tendencies and, and the uh, yetzir hurrah, the evil inclination and all that. Yeah. But then good and evil are, uh, you know, just uh, mental constructs, right? <laughs> uh, maybe. A Zoroastrian uh, model borrowed by the catholic church or the post babylonian when was it that the 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 hebrews started uh thinking in zoroastrian terms or was that just the catholics 
Oh, well, they, they were, they've been messing around in that stuff, like back and forth, right? There was a yeah. lot of back and forth in those early days. I mean, like we haven't even talked about the church of the hermaphroditical Jesus yet. I mean, that's like, that first, second century. Oh, that's wow. like first, second century. Man. Oh, cool. There were so many statues that had to get defaced. Um, so I want to clarify <laughs> one thing before we move on to yeah, the yeah. history of religion again, which, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a hobby of all of ours. Um, you know, I really want to talk about the Raelians. That's what I'm really here to talk about. Like, you know, the Raelians, the, the, you know, the alien spirits are coming for us. And oh, that's okay. Happening. Nice. Just like, you know, newsflash. Cool. That's what that Sorry, is. My coffee. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No, when I, so when I argue about, when I talk about uh, atheism, I mean one thing and one thing only is, and that's um, the rejection of supernatural deity. Okay. So that's why it's a lot so of natural work of, of people in the philosophical fields that I work in. Pantheism, uh, not panentheism. Are, are focused. Yeah, it's you know whether it's whether you're pantheist or panentheist or whatever. Um, I mean th that those are highly theological terms, and and I bend, I slightly more in the philosophical theology world, which I know it sounds super pedantic to say, but it's it's pretty highly significant, significant especially as we do a lot of our interpretation through not just hermeneutic philosophy or, or the theory of traditional interpretation but we use a lot of semiotics and sometimes even dabble in like you know political theory and psych a lot heavy you know a lot of psychoanalytic uh modalities and methodologies and, like yeah. Jacques, Jacques Lacan and some of this stuff looking at the uh symbolic and imaginary real orders and that stuff can seem even really Kabbalistic when you look at it but you can't mistake it for that and you can't conflate it too generally otherwise you end up getting into trouble with you know just the way you know categorical thinking and the logic of, of what you're doing like it's easy to place atheism on the tree of life right we can say atheists <laughs> are tree of life or yeah. they're doing this tree of life or they're you know they're, they're stuck where in they're putting people that use the tree of life in the toilet <laughs> in yeah. their, on their diagram <laughs> yeah maybe they're just like stuck in a tunnel and they might be but, right <laughs> But the, yeah, so then, but philosophically, of course, what you 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 then have to consider the fact that you're already exists, you know, theorizing within a symbolic structure within a you know a pedagogical format, which is the tree of life, and the tree of life is designed to be heuristic and help us educate ourselves spiritually and practically, which is again what attracted me to the hermetic paths so much, especially the Golden Dawn, yeah. is the fact that it emphasizes the practical Kabbalah, which masonry, not to mention the fact that, you know, they excluded other things like women. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they excluded these things that really were, are so essential to Kabbalistic practice. I mean, I, I was first really, I, I, there were, I had some Kabbalistic background, but only through uh, Dion Fortune reading and leading up to my Golden Dawn initiation in, in uh, in, uh, when I was 15 and then but in Vienna I got actually I met a Hasidic rabbi at a lecture at an anthroposophical society hmm. and he actually then like introduced me to Hasidic Kabbalah he was a Hasidic rabbi and he was giving lectures on reincarnation he studied reincarnated Holocaust survivors this is a big deal hmm. in this world yeah and uh, he believes that Jews definitely believe in reincarnation or Hasidic people Ought to believe that he he uh, that's how he chooses to interpret a lot of the scriptures. Yeah. I mean, even the Catholic Church doesn't actually deny it. Their official stance on reincarnation is that you know <laughs> you're sort of hearing no evil, see no evil. They they the official stance. I don't know if anyone knows this, but 
is that they don't acknowledge it, nor do they deny it. It's so classically cheesy, but that's <laughs> the fully, that is the most official thing you can, you'll, you'll get. <laughs> yeah, but then the doctrine it, it, contradicts it. it. Don't believe it. Well, no, it doesn't. It, oh, I guess it's, you could interpret it as like at the yeah, end of all the, your lives or something. Because dogma, you know, dogma and doctrine are, dogma is about how you interpret doctrine mm. and what those interpretations are that are correct. It's not that they're not acknowledging that you could have other interpretations. Uh, they're saying that those aren't right. That's mm. what the councils are all about, which interpretations are right and which are wrong. And <clears throat> whether it was for good or for evil, I mean, it's probably a good idea some of the apocrypha wasn't allowed into mainstream interpretation. But at the same time, you know, they weren't really allowing <laughs> or the rest of it for that matter as we found out when, when when they finally published it and then we had that anabaptist like cult that popped up in munster was it there's so many oh my god <laughs> like crazy i mean because and then martin luther came out and i think very innocently said that if you don't understand a piece of scripture you don't have to ask a priest you can ask the holy spirit in prayer and the holy spirit will tell you what it means and, and I, you know he didn't know what he was saying when he said that but a lot of people were like thank you that's just what i needed hello everybody notice my big beard i am an old testament prophet <laughs> you know like, now get on your knees you know yeah uh yeah there's there's all that shit you know yeah, i mean so it I mean, still there, goes there's, on <laughs> there's, there was yeah i mean well this that's one of the reasons uh when you're studying this stuff you know academically and even in seminary which is just as academic really it's just you have to learn the languages too so it's a little crazier yeah um, i mean yeah i uh, I, I, I can tell you this was... like my understanding of magic has changed since i learned hebrew and aramaic like there's <clears> just no two ways about that you can't interpret it the way you interpreted it before mm. with after that knowledge is yeah. there now it took a lot of work for me to go through and come out the other side and it took reading people like the successor of gershon sholem moshe adele who really takes kabbalistic philosophical understanding and brings it into the the modern uh world which is you know post-deconstructionist and mm. post-religious in a, in a, in sort of the way that I'm definitely promoting. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> are, you not, are you going to India soon? I leave on November 15th. That's right. You're leaving soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so, okay. Check this out. The way that I set it up was, uh, was I looked at um, when Sal, he used to be in the order back in the day. He was on the Esoteric Nerd once too. Um, he uh, he opened up this store and asked if I'd do a workshop. So I looked at my last day at Crunch Fitness teaching yoga was the sixth, and so I saw how many Fridays there were between the sixth and the day that I leave, and it was five. So I figured, okay, Malkut, Yasod, Hod, Netzach, Tyfirat, and then I get on a plane. <laughs> so every every passing Sephirot that I do a workshop on, I'm one step closer to. To jumping off into South Africa and then Nepal, so that'll be a trip. That's really amazing. A trip with a Y and with an I. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Why? Well, wish you well. And Thank you. Thank you very That's much. That's amazing. Hmm. Oh, I wanted to bring up um, back in the day, and people, longtime listeners, are aware that uh, we came from a group that was big into the peace in Jerusalem thing at one point after 9/11. And uh, there was a power week that year, like, I believe, right? Yeah, it was a year later. I'm trying to place when this would have been, because there was two power weeks 
up in Canada at Temple Tehuti, uh, yeah. 99 2001. 2001. So the 2001 Power Week, we had already been doing Peace in Jerusalem for almost a year. And there was a very special ritual. Do you know the one I'm referring to that you led? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. In a way, that was an answer to a lot of people's questions, like, why Jerusalem? And then, you know, of course, the answer was, well, because we're actually a bunch of closet Christians and we think Jerusalem's the center of the world, was the real answer. But the... Uh, the, the Well, the yeah, the Peace in Jerusalem ritual, one actually I got exposed to at the first Power Week I was at, like the one in... Uh, the Outer Order 19- one? Yeah, well, the one, yeah, the very first one the, yeah. you know, that I flew to right after. Vienna. Oh, with the pink roses and stuff. Um, was it that one where the whole world's I'm not sure. covered in green? And... No, I don't. I don't. I don't think that was that. I don't think that was it. It's, I still have the document that the original one I was handed out for oh, okay. the ceremony, and that was the one I based the uh, the ritual Ulster. using Yeats's Order of Celtic Mysteries yeah. instead of the uh, Hebrew. Mysteries, and that included the LBRP it, divine names, right? Yeah, yeah, I and the middle that, pillar. You know. Yeah, so we put all that into uh, the the Celtic mysteries stuff, and that was that was like, yeah, like that was I was very. It was it was you know it was a big deal to get permission to do that, and then we performed that, yeah, in uh, yeah. in Vancouver in '99. That was a trip, which was uh, which was definitely a very powerful trip, and it was after that that started uh have bringing more and more of sort of the celtic mysteries stuff in the research i had done uh and was continued to do for years for what five six years seven years hmm. all the way up through you know partial stuff that i was i would still look at that stuff doing doctoral research in ireland but not so much then you know i'd already written that first book and uh that did a, did a lot so have you me. written a book about the irish uh about that about that work, the Yates just, work? Just the, just the, yeah, just the Yates study. Okay. And uh, I won't get into that too much because, I mean, that's already, like, that's almost 20 years old. That's like 20 years <laughs> old. But uh, a new version will come out of that, and then I'll, I'll pimp that when it's time. But right now I'd rather focus on just, like, the stuff that's out that's new and fresh. And, you know, especially the Halloween spirit is my favorite energy of the year, and it's, it's really, I definitely would love to uh, dwell in that more with you. When, uh, oh, just uh, real quick on that, uh, before we move on to that, I wanted to mention that there was uh, one time in particular <laughs> that uh, basically when I was leading orientations and people would come and say, uh, well, you know, I personally, like, I'm not into Christian stuff at all. And the Jewish stuff, it's nice and all, but it's not for me. I'm into Celtic stuff. And I would immediately tell them about the ritual for peace in Ulster and Yates and the research that you did. And in one particular case, she joined. And, uh, and went through several of the grades, didn't make it all the way into the second. But then later she was my accountant. So that's interesting. Oh, wow. But okay, so Osriel, how, how do, uh, okay, so people can go to Amazon and write in Frater R.C. Osriel, that's A-Z-R-A-E-L? That's yeah, and cool. uh, you can get the invocation. So there's two scripts up, which is one's the invocation and one's the ceremony that blends in the Celt- some of the Celtic mysteries along with it. And yeah, you know, they're they're there. Okay, uh, the the ceremony one, I I I was able to like set it for free at, for I think for the twenty sixth. So like from midnight tonight till the next night, it'll be free, and you can skim through it for free for the first three months. And that's just a perk you can get when you have something exclusively to Kindle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it you know 
it it fails to cast a wider net. So once I start, it once things I put things on other sites, then you can't have those right. free perks and the the uh, unlimited reading anymore. Yeah. Um, Money wise, it doesn't really make much of a difference which way you do it. So it's just sort of accessibility. And for me, the goal is if you're going to release stuff, you know, let it be accessible. And uh, it, you know, that's sort of the way things have gone now. It's like secrecy is. The social and political reasons we need secrecy are <laughs> almost dead and gone. These and yet, days, intellectual copyright is like the the bread and butter <laughs> of so many uh, artists and uh, writers and people, actors. Every you know, even the whole entertainment industry. You know, the movement toward transparency kind of seems to also include unlimited access to whatever media exists. Well, yeah, we can really basically blame Survivor for all of this. <laughs> Survivor the Reality TV. Oh yeah. yeah. Your reality TV, you no, know, it just it just uh, sparks and it's already there. I don't yeah. know. I, yeah, and again, I've I'm not a I'm not an opponent of transparency, trans transparency, transparency. I'm not. <laughs> well, it's like that. one of those double really, letters. I never really was the I mean, double letters: riches and poverty. Like I'm against poverty. You know, it's like I'm against war. I'm pro peace. You know, it's like which I'm side against, of the double letters yeah. do you stand on? You know, I'm more. I'm more for you know protecting yourself. <laughs> yeah. And you, so whatever you need to do to protect yourself or put up yeah. whatever level of veil or blind or you know whatever green language is necessary to. Give yourself safety and protection is is a fair thing, and that sort of falls under of, the, uh, the fourth principle of the occultist, which is to be silent. Right, mm. our manifestations, our will, our 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 creations never really come to fruition if we don't right have that silence, that that seal on the alembic, and and yeah, so so you know that's why I don't I don't I like the magical mottos for that reason. I like some of the uh, respect. I mean, secrecy is a old fashioned word almost. I mean, in the day and age, it's I, the word respect might start to be well advised to come into use again. You can see it active in the entertainment industry again, like as, as an example, all the everyone involved, the, all the actors and stuff have to take a vow of secrecy, basically, like they'll they'll be ruined and, and they get oh, yeah. threatened to be fined for five million dollars if they even take a selfie, you know, with the set, you know, in the background. And uh, all in order to have this magical experience where everybody gets to sit down and see Westworld and not know what happened, you know, or whatever. And so it's sort yeah. of like a like a form of that kind of magic in, in everyday yeah. use. Yeah, right now I'm basically uh, releasing the documents as I unpack them because everything is just temporarily unpacked and especially unpacking the rest since there was, uh, you know, the robbery and had like a lot of stuff taken. Oh my God, that um, sucks. Yeah, yeah, like my beautiful, my true copy of the True and Faithful Relation, like the big old first edition hardcover. And a magical child one. <laughs> uh, no, but you know, it was pretty obvious that that was worth something, I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, unpacking documents, uploading them as I can, and basically preparing, you know, things including, uh, you know, order websites and stuff so that they can you know because i don't know what's going to happen in my life in the next six months i don't know uh like i have surgeries that i'm going to be having i don't know how they're going to go or when they're going to happen and i just want everything sort of you know ducks in a row yeah and uh you know it's a uh, phase of my life is definitely about a different form of the great work than the other phases have been you know there's there's sort of the the classic three you know, you do the training and then you go practice in the world and then you sort of give back, I guess. Yeah. 
I don't know what I'll do after that. We'll sort of see. Well, if I'm if I'm alive in six months, we'll uh, I can revise my my plans. But <laughs> yeah, what's do your you, question? Do you mind if I call the episode VH Frater RC? No, that's great. That's fine. Okay, perfect. I I was going to mention that um. You know, of course, very honored just sounds inherently like if to introduce oneself as very honored Fretter is the most arrogant thing that someone outside of actual we Victorian did England. That. No, of course we don't do that. But like uh, yeah, originally, that's not, that's not part of the etiquette. Originally, and I wanted yeah. to to kind of clarify this for the longtime listeners. In the very <laughs> first episode, you can kind of hear a certain uh, affection in my voice where I'm being very, very, like, overly haughty and, you know, well, only certain people would get this reference and, like, you know, saying, I am very honored, Frater. And then I kind of, like, hail back to that just in the uh, the very beginning of every episode when I say, welcome to very honored, Frater. But I, I, I wanted people to know that there's a level of irony there. <laughs> that I'm aware that uh, that that the title "Very Honored" is is sort of absurdly hierarchical in its and the, I mean, but if if people listen to the whole podcast, they can see that I've kind of like torn all of that stuff apart, and I'm not actually, you know, people who are from the uh, the Golden Dawn background. Um, it lets them know like where I'm coming from, or people who are hardcore studiers of Crowley are aware, or Paul Foster Case are aware that they had names that it, that was V H Fred or something something. And uh, so oh yeah, well I don't, back to I don't think you need to explain it at all. I think it's clear. And and the contrast, I love the contrast between the affected pomposity of the introduction <laughs> with the casual, you know, chit chat, chatty, swearing, cussing, honest nature of the show. I mean, that's part yeah, of yeah. what your what all of what you do is. I mean, even the name of your podcast is a is a mockery of yeah, that's the true. solemnity the of the days of old. So they go, they yeah, go together, VH Fratter's I mean, esoteric I mean, it's, it, it's also It also evokes images of, you know, armchair magicians and right. and people who are counting how many copies of the exact same edition of the exact same <laughs> book of whatever they have. Oh, you have and the second edition? I have the first edition. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's that's that's. I mean, and let's let's face it. The the reason is because we keep failing everybody. You know, we can't yeah. hold temples together. We get as soon as you get a group of a, a devs at a certain size, you know, things happen. People get fucking abusive, and power plays come into form, and all of that stuff. And so, you know, members. I was just talking to a member today who I met on Instagram, and you know, they were literally initiated. In 2012, by by very honored, greatly honored Fred, and then everything you know. Then he was next thing he knew that he was gone, and there was no more guidance, and has you know hasn't been able to find any education since then. And people, of course, turn to armchair magic and try to rewrite ceremonies themselves or replicate the experiences that we were so lucky to have. But and that was one of the most serious things that was drilled into me throughout the portal probationary period for the second order, you know, and I had one of the severest teachers in history, probably, um, you know, God bless him. Uh, yeah, yeah. we're still sort of friends. So yeah. ever, um, yeah, but like, like that was our duty. Like, you know, this wasn't a joke. We, there was, we didn't, we didn't just hang out, talk about match and go for drinks after. Yeah. That makes me think of, Another thing I read earlier today by some by an occult author um, about joining at fifteen or sixteen or seventeen and why you can't and the reason was bad but you know perhaps there could be good reasons but his yeah. wasn't his was around drinking but 
But no, um, yeah, there we... Well, I think in a world where you can actually be a working barrel reader and have that be what you do for your profession, it's a little different than uh, 130 years ago, where that, you know, that only the wandering gypsies did that. I should apologize to any uh, Roma people to, for using the derogatory. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I, 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 I can almost stop that. Um, we're, so, we're so West Coast and aware. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, our season, uh, I'm in LA and Los Angeles for anybody listening. You can bleep my city name later. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's West Coast um, and somewhere in, in Canada on the West Coast. That's right. Like, yeah, it's not really they, a mystery. It's one no, of those fishing it's, villages. It's, but, but, but no, let's stay on the point because it's an interesting <laughs> point and that I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. glad to talk about it. You know, and like this is like that we're the, we're 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 fucking adepts, right? We're we're here to serve, and I'm if I'm if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. Right. Because especially since the theme of this year was January with me being approached about a freaking massive schism caused by my ex-best friend and protege who God knows I'm slightly responsible for the creation of this mm. little monster. And, you know, and, uh, you know, these people, I'm still in touch with these people and people contact me and their lives are ruined. Oh, no. Like their lives are ruined. So like all I hear about any of this, like I don't have any... <laughs> I was I, I like I've I've fought to stay out of it mostly, but I still hear from people who are traumatized, and you know, hearing from this this uh, you know brother of ours just on Instagram today, who who's still looking to continue his studies after going through only two grades and not really wanting to keep doing the astral thing, which God only knows is understandable. I mean, I had amazing astral experiences and physical experiences. Lucky me. Um, but for most people, I mean, you're going to need some physical presence at some point because that's how these things are actually conveyed from mouth to ear. They're not done from keyboard through, uh, you know, brainwave or internet wave. Yeah. That's just not how it works. And I, I spent years of my life devoted to studying the mysteries and practicing magic before I had any chance of of encountering it to the level like it was just night and day, right? Like what we were doing and what what we learned and what how we, we took for it. granted day to day. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you know, that environment, that social like being able to do rituals and walk out of the temple and see a whole bunch of other people also wearing black robes going, Oh, we heard you doing the such and such in there. It sounded good. I mean that's totally like yeah, that's a unique Yeah. Well for me it was more the power. It was the power of the work we were doing. I mean it was on another level than anything I had encountered through anything else and yeah. still is to this day. And I've seen a lot of different things. And I just think that, you know, people who want to learn any magical system can be as can be that powerful. I'm, I'm positive. Yeah. And I think we need, I, I think it's just a shame that we're not doing more to create these in functional forms. I mean, God knows it's hard. I mean, Look at look at look at what the churches have had to go through, and uh, every other organized form right. of religion. I mean, they be they've become practically you know corporate structures and borderline empires and yeah. little mini kingdoms just so that they can celebrate the mysteries <laughs> or try their best to yeah to help people guide people in their spiritual purpose and path in life. And people that's all people want. I mean, if they want something else, they shouldn't come to a <clears throat> you know, an order. Yeah. I, I, for me, when I was 18, they made me a teacher 
And then I was barely a student from that point on, like, you know, Voldemort and a oh, couple yeah. other people were my only oh, teachers yeah. and barely. Well, but, you, you, and me, you and me, like, we we went through that, right? Yeah. We were this cadre, you, me, and... But then, it, it, for me, at 34 was when I stopped. And then, in order, because I was used to being a teacher, I mean, partly because I was used to being a teacher, I became a yoga teacher. And so I've still been teaching, but now I'm... You know, I, I stopped teaching this. I mean, I'm, I'm teaching in South Africa. That's my last teaching thing. And then once I arrive in Nepal, then I'll be student again. So for me, it's like I, I feel like I owe it to my own uh, what I have to offer people because I've, I've I've taught everything I have to teach over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And so I want to put that on pause long enough to go like really learn and, and have some some beautiful experiences that aren't in a warehouse in the Inland Empire. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Meet some other teachers besides the, that handful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what I got a good dose of after, you know, in my years of seminary. After. It, like, cause it was, it was interesting to like, you know, I started mainstream seminary at the same time I went into the second order. So I did them parallel. Of course, balancing them was a trick. Yeah. But yeah, I got it was it was interesting. We we got to really well acquainted with. Um, I specialized in Jewish Christian dialogue and mm-hmm. and relations stuff. But yeah, we got to experience imams and well, you know, all, we you got to travel and experience the world. I mean, yeah, that's just that's just. I yeah, mean, the book the zealous just been right the here. The zealous <laughs> has a good description of that. I was hoping to do uh, the Camino at some point in the next couple of years. <laughs> What's the Camino? Now, yeah, the Camino de Santiago. It's a uh, the pilgrim's path to like where Saint John went to the sea on the coast of Spain and uh, Santiago de Compostela. Nice. Paulo Cello wrote the book, his book, The Pilgrimage, based on his experience of doing that with one of his teachers. How cool! Not sure how uh, fictional or fictionalized it is, though. The I, I read the book; it was an interesting experience, actually. No, I'm one of the weirdos that actually enjoyed Zanoni. <laughs> yeah, I like I ate that up. It was it the the like I don't know maybe it was like my gra- my love of grammar and linguistics that made me cons- find the style of writing and and atrociously absurd grammar just to be sort of like a character caricature hmm. or a joke and I I got through it. I know most people you know it's uh, it's hailed as perhaps being the most unreadable book written in English. <laughs> You know, other other critics, famous critics, have called it the worst novel ever. <laughs> Yet, of course, it's the one of the mandatory readings that we had for the second order because I don't know. Maybe it's it's like a demonstration of like the bottom rung that you can pass to write grade material. Interesting, because some grade material is pretty badly written. I'm just taking I'm just taking a cheap blow because you know it's fun too. Uh, but no, I mean, a lot of, not everyone's a writer and some people need to get information out even when they're not a writer. Yeah. And that's totally fair. I mean, it's hard to complain with, with what's happened to the internet and yeah. uh, grammar these days. Yeah. I've language been, I've been working with people who, it's I mean, fascinating. and sometimes English is someone's fifth language. So it's like, okay, you know, like clearly this person has a lot to offer. They've been studying they've gone to school they've read books in multiple languages and so i should listen even though they're not good at conjugating you know but we're programmed to assume that people are ignorant if they uh if they don't know how to put together a perfect english sentence every time you know 
Yeah, and that's a mistake, hey? Yeah. Yeah, one of those that that us left coasters, <laughs> west coasters can learn to see beyond. Yeah, I've, I, you know, I, I think we're pretty good. I mean, there's some, there's some languages I've found where if you don't say things flawlessly, they look at you. Like, I mean, French is like French. that. Like some, sometimes <laughs> sometimes German, German can be yeah. like that. A German like, can be just like speak that. English. We all speak English. <laughs> I'd be like, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I would often sometimes find in the early days that they, they could be a bit kinder with German. But then there's languages like Irish. Like, I, I can put together words in Irish in almost any order, like rant, like like almost like uh, Latin syntax. And <laughs> and uh, they don't mind. They, 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 they will always understand what you mean, even if it's very, very tangential and, and touching. The, and there's a old saying in Irish, or relatively old saying, that, whoa. Uh, Broken Irish is better than perfect English, <laughs> and that's just because they you know, they have a culture of reclaiming that language. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I like Aramaic probably the best of the languages that I know. Italian nice. is definitely next on my list to start learning. Yeah, I'm gonna be uh, learning Nepalese for a little while. Your Lord, that's yeah. just a report. Well, that's, uh, I mean, I'm going to be there for 90 days, so I figure I'll do the full immersion. I haven't even, like, really started getting into it. I, 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 I wrote down the, you know, the letters, but, um, you know, when I'm there, I'm sure by necessity I'll start to be like, oh, that's the word for food. <laughs> oh, that's the word for restaurant. But I think they have a lot of stuff in English, too, unfortunately. So you might have to work at it a little bit. Yeah. Or go out to the villages away from Kathmandu. <laughs> Yeah, I was I hoping we'd come back to Gnosticism at some oh, point. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure if we can. I mean, we lost the that beautiful tangent on, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, me going into academic stuff. Not that that's not a bad thing, but, you know, a lot of this, I'm very, I'm so glad I wrote the autobiography because, seriously, if I had had to actually, like, start talking about that stuff, <laughs> you guys can, and, you know, just go, go buy it and read it if you yeah. really want to hear the story. It's it's sort of a, I don't go, I don't know. Dear God, yeah, life is, uh, I mean, my life's been fucking insane, Roller as coaster. you know. Yeah. I don't know, yeah, I don't know how many lives I've lived or how many I've left, <clears throat> but hey, that is the path of the chameleon, right? Yeah, that's true. And yeah, when I, uh, trying to be all things to all people. I, when I decided I wanted to be a yoga person, I went down to Hollywood Boulevard and walked around until I smelled incense. And I went inside and heard the music and said, what is this? And they said, Buddha bar. So I like downloaded all the Buddha bar and I bought this weird pink shirt and these white pants, shaved my head and then showed up for my yoga training. And everybody's looking at me like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, and uh, but it was just I mean, that was my attempt at like I just wanted an abrupt change. Like I'm no longer the person I was before. And then now I look more like I used to. But. You know, it's yeah, part of that chameleon thing, changing the colors, yeah. changing the shape. <laughs> That's part of it, though, right? I mean, you can just sort of follow the path. Well, it's like you you learn that you're all 12 signs. So it's like I can be a Pisces and be totally intuitive and, you know, see symbols and see 
meanings behind things. And then I can go, step over and be a Virgo and be like, that's, that's totally irrational. You know, it's probably like this. But then that can get out of hand and I can talk myself into all kinds of fear scenarios. And then I have to go back to the intuitive side to be like, okay, all of this is bullshit except for this. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, that's, I guess, what it means to have gone through the processes we've been through is all those squares on the vault wall are, are accessible to us where a lot of people think, you know, oh, well, I'm just water. I'm not one of those air people or earth people yeah. or fire people. I'm just water, you know, or I'm just air. You know, I'm not into that fire or earth. Or yeah, well, New Ageism. Yeah. That's the downside of it, sort of. Or even uh, like mundanism. Like, I'm a doctor, not a lawyer. I'm a barista, not a ballet dancer. You know, like, we know that we could be a barista and a ballet dancer and a judge and a priest and a king, you know, like it's just a matter of what we decide to put on that day. I, I was reflecting on, on the neophyte because I, I used to, you know, you know me, I've been through some phases. I kind of had to be like, well, that's sort of the theme of all of this, right? Yeah. You know, that's the child of the great transformers is all about, yeah. you know, I mean, a people, I think when you talk about how we all go through phases, the first thing I thought about was how, how we actually get stuck in phases. Yeah. I mean, that's actually in a way more interesting is the transformation of being stuck in a phase going into a new phase to me. That's where there's a crisis. That's where right. there's trauma and therefore transformation. Well, what, what happened for me was my focus was on the, the hierarchy and the, uh, the, the, you know, the initiations and the assumption that the neophyte coming in and stuff where we work on in Z formula, that it, it assumes that they're basically a, a dead brick. And that we've got to bring it to life with water. And then we've got to consecrate it to the path with incense. And then from that point on, their spiritual instruction comes from the people sitting in those robes. And um, so that's what I was seeing. I was seeing, I was focusing a lot on that and how I didn't like it. And then, but then just yesterday, actually, I was thinking about the words, uh, you know, that, that the, uh, the veil has been put over your eyes like the hoodwink has been is is keeping you from seeing the infinite love and joy and beauty that's there but you can't see it because someone put a hoodwink on you which is why you've come in here blindly seeking out advice and knowledge so it's kind of like oh you know because it, it if you look at it in, cool. in, in that way then it's 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 right on so like the people that because there's a lot of people that in the name of maintaining the the structure of their respective organizations or their mental uh conditioning or 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 uh syncretizing the golden dawn with catholicism or something they'll really get into the whole don't mistake the great tree for the small tree you know and at the expense of all other teachings you know like like it's uh well we're, we're talking about the big tree not the not your little tree because really there's only god there 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 that, that god expresses himself as many selves but but that you you you're the little self don't you mistake yourself for god and it's like why just keep running that tape over and over, you know, like it, it, it just seems like, okay, you know, that's something that could be kept in mind. But I mean, right at the beginning of the neophyte, it says that that infinite where your soul used to wander infinitely and, and had access to everything and, and was able to perceive all beauty and the the illusion of, of, of mortality and the illusion of limitations have been placed over your eyes, according to the officers in the ceremony. 
Um, but they don't bother to check with the neophyte to find out if that's necessarily true in that particular case because they might have had a good acid trip once in the desert and the veil was lifted. And so they're coming in and they're being told this and they're like, uh, no, you might be talking about the guy next to me, but anyway, what's next, you know? And then, and then they're being told, don't mistake the big tree for the small tree. And they're like, okay, you know what? Uh, I already did Christianity. I'm out of here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, of course I understand what you mean. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I mean, syncretism, exclusivism, inclusivism, um, the different models of God. Um, hmm. I found it, we got very confused. I think often in occult circles, we get very confused about these different models because we just, we often learn about them in, in terms of practical Kabbalah. We learn about them in terms of, of the application for ritual or for... Uh, Right. Yeah, for you know, for Based spiritual transformation, for theurgy, for thaumaturgy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we learn about them in the context of using them practically, and sometimes you can skip over the what they actually are. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, does that make sense? Like, yeah, like I read this in a book. Let's use it in a ritual, like without actually like spending a week like contemplating it or researching where it mm. came from or something. <laughs> Yeah, and also you people can end up attri uh, attributing too much to to something like too much existence to it, right? right? I mean, that's one of the things I like about chaos magic is we don't you don't um, <laughs> I caught that <laughs> you don't you don't overestimate the existence of something, and that's that's yeah. part of the movement of uh, anti supernaturalism and, and anti Platonism because. Uh, the idea of these sort of supernatural cosmic ideas or existences that are outside of nature is is ultimately harmful to our understanding of ourselves and our relationship to the world around us. And there are, but I mean, it gets weird when when someone who is like bona fide, maybe undiagnosed schizophrenic gets involved in the mysteries, and then you're like, wow, are you lying or are you serious? You know, like, are are you a pathological liar or schizophrenic? Yeah, I've I had those. I had that exact question uh, yeah. to to a friend in the order long before we even had ever I had ever encountered that 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 illness. So it was a that was a very big actually transformation in my life. Yeah, um, was discovering one of my best friends was dealing with that exact situation and his, you know, his. Uh, breaking his the his the any his relationship to in in philosophers was traumatic for a lot of people and very 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 difficult mm -hmm. and he had a, a lot of struggles thereafter but now he's doing extremely well and oh, good i'm very uh, yeah and he's an amazing person so i'm really glad he's uh rocking and rolling yeah. in life as the best as anyone can um yeah, yeah. I knew but, uh, someone who uh, got deeply involved in some weird Enochian work and then had a son, and then the voices started telling him that he needed to take his son up to a mountain and sacrifice him. And it's like, okay, well, clearly this is derivative. But, I mean, if somebody really believes that this is what angels would say to a person because they're familiar with Scripture, um, <laughs> what do you do, you know? But he, they ended up taking his kid away because he was so freaked out about it. Yeah, you got to love the whole Sola Scriptura thing uh yeah biblical authority well that's what i was sort of saying before is like you know when you when you start looking at the different when when a when a, a practical belief an element of any form of spiritual practice becomes something technical and then you attribute you sort of aggrandize it and attribute to it 
supernatural status by with by not placing it in the actual context that it should be seen mm. by not looking at it in relationship to other whether they're ideological modes like there's a very big difference between how elements are placed in different magical orders mm-hmm. in different systems whether it's different pagan neo-pagan systems or hermetic or otherwise like there's so much out there uh the haitians have another whole uh cosmology in voodoo right and uh as soon as we don't place each of the systems alongside each other we can get lost thinking this is the system this is the only and then you know that's when you start totalizing and commit the fallacy of tyranny which is what uh you know Mm. taking your own belief and your own and idea and putting it over top of what someone else's is and you know from that that you can strew a lot of really flawed sort of ethical points of view not to mention with political and moral ramifications that really you know is what leads to our our fights these these the fighting in the occult communities and between between members and stuff i mean there's the squabbles of small differences side yeah the the, yeah exactly and that's what you know i guess i sort of started to poke my head up a bit when i saw what you were doing and i when i saw that there was other movement with from groups that were authentic seekers and you know interested in this work and that it was yeah you know some of the bullshit was being dropped i mean like you know because we come from the days of the lawsuits and like the the Mm. copyright wars and yeah all that alum stuff that was just so counterproductive not to mention like you know abusive of everyone involved and you know ruined a lot of people's lives and ruined families and relationships and jobs and careers and you know some of us are some a lot of people are dead now Mm. you know not because of that like you know cultists i don't think are get too violent that's only in the in the movies right yeah Oh, yeah. Was that Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell? Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Well, I was a big fan of the book. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm more into movies. <laughs> it's the difference between Canada and California, if anybody's wondering. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, that was that's an amazing, amazing piece of writing. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I, I think it's very helpful to look at things like Gnosticism and all the other religious structures all within in a categorical framework that allows you to see that they are just categories i mean and uh, they don't contain a metaphysical super narrative that spans the universe and that everything participates in like like classical platonism and neoplatonism promotes and that is sort of the you know the 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 grounds out of which gnosticism bloomed or you know maybe influenced proto-gnosticism maybe influenced that before that but who knows i mean it all goes back to stuff that we have lost track of in in the early astrology and religion of babylon and mesopotamia yeah egypt egypt is late by comparison right compared to all the some of the older stuff and where where we know a lot of the early rituals and magics come from i mean my a lot of my university work was was reading and translating first and second century aramaic scroll uh writings that were spells hmm, interesting. and these were things that i had access to in the university and they've just never been translated i mean just no one no one gives a fuck wow <laughs> you know like there's like so much of this stuff out there um there's tons of it and oh my god the the, the lengths of the list of angels that people might 
call to as they walked from their friend's house to home again. <laughs> like, it would have taken the entire trip, but I guess if they didn't have their phones to look at, what else would they do except <laughs> call, you know, whisper angel names in the middle of the dark? And, you know, yeah, the, a lot. it's crazy also the names that slipped in there that were demon names, looked like demon names or similar, and a lot of variants of names that we have commonly or popularly today. I mean, when you when you look at the history of 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 Kabbalah, the names of angels, the transformation of the tree of life changes so much. We act like the tree of life from the golden dawn the crowd used is the one tree of life. But if you look at the older Jewish scholars and the old Reshis, yes, the way the materials written, so many different forms. This is the diagram of God, (laughs) and that's because the entire thing is like Dion Fortune said, a, a synthetic system. You know, and it's ultimately syncretistic and makes that, that you know, that's, that's seductive because it can lead us to easily and roughly equivocate all things to be equal and conflate uh, different cultures, gods onto the Sephirah like willy-nilly right. or without much justification, which was, again, what my, my Yeats Celtic Mysteries work was on, was looking at slightly more rigorous uh, justifications, though the methodology was still extremely yeah. modern and structuralist and I'm not really you know it's it's I, I think it could have been a bit more deconstructionist but that was because I hadn't read Moshe Adele yet and Moshe Adele hadn't really become Moshe Adele yet and uh, he's the I mean the ultimate Jewish Kabbalah scholar in the world he's the he's just a, a genius and really yeah hard to hard to describe just mm-hmm. sort of reading his big book is called um absorbing perfections Okay, I'll I'll put that yeah. on my list for sure. It's a crazy title, hey. Yeah. Anyway, he's uh, he's the he's the successor for Gershon Sholem. Okay. You know, a Jewish scholar. Anyway, it's uh yeah, it's dangerous. It's seductive when we start placing everything on the tree of life and yeah, yeah, because it's like the the presumption that the tree of life is the true, you know, the tr- the most true way, and that everything else. You know that has manifested has been like uh, some version of it or other. So it's just a matter of being able to piece it onto the tree of life because it's so universal. It's like yeah. sort of like you know Catholicism. Catholic means universal. They were like, oh well, we'll make a religion that everybody will like. This will work for everyone. Yeah, it's designed as an educational tool to help yeah. you transform yourself spiritually, and you need to move up the ladder. And that's that's what it's about, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to get that message when you're just reading books and not talking about it casually with people like we are here, and that's why I value yeah. this this podcast that you've created because it's a chance for people to hear how we actually would discuss these things in real life because real life is never as glamorous as we imagine from from fantasy, of course, but that is how Kabbalah actually exists, and it's while you're talking about these things and taught bringing your own life into it. This is exactly what Hasidic and ancient Kabbalistic mm. rabbis would do is they would sit around and they would get a little bit tipsy, right, with a traditional glass of brandy or whatever. And they would they would they would dialogue. They would argue. They would debate. They would do math. Yeah. <laughs> right? It, it's like a you know, it's a geek stream. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? And uh, as a turn nerd, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that is definitely like definitely very apropos of the title, and uh, yeah, I think that's a a great thing that uh, needs. To, I don't know how we can offer that more in this new digital sort of era, where it's harder to get. From my understanding of what I've heard this year, sort of coming back out of the darkness, um, 
it's hard to get members. It's like apparently, well, apparently everyone just loves the OTO. Well, the uh, I think well, yeah, it's more popular with the Age of Aquarian types. But like, um, I think what it is is that orders with hierarchies and a chief adept are a Piscean era thing, Piscean age. And as we move into the Age of Aquarius, like for example, um, right now uh, there's uh, Naha Armadi, I think is how you pronounce her last name, at the House of Intuition in Silver Lake. Every month she does a middle pillar ritual where people come in and they all lay down and she does this long guided uh, middle pillar for them. And, uh, and meanwhile, up in Burbank, I'm teaching the, the Path of the Flaming Sword at a place called uh, the Crooked Path. But it's, it's specifically, and Naha and I have this in common, we're aware that these teachings for a long time were taught in a context with a lot of Kool-Aid or with a lot of oaths of secrecy and all of this stuff. And, uh, and, and ego gets into, you know, whether it's veiled as humility or not, it gets into the, the teaching process or the, oh, well, I'm four grades beyond you, so of course I have a much deeper understanding of these things than you, Neophyte. Um, like getting rid of that, you know, and, and just saying, okay, everybody here's a human being. Congratulations. Now let's learn about this. This is interesting. It came from here. And then people can use it, and they it it, it deep more deeply yeah, informs no one, the relationship no with tarot. No one needs the pomposity. Yeah, at exactly. All. I mean, well, I mean, we're, it, the tradition. I mean, we have enough of it. We have like, I mean, Agri was it Agrippa? No, it was Thea. It was Paracelsus. I mean, he he's he actually the word bombastic pretty much. I think doesn't it actually come from his name? I don't know. Or he just adopted. Like he just throws that in there. Hmm. You know, Theophrastus Paracelsus Bombastus from Hohenheim. Huh. You know. <laughs> From the high town, from yeah. high town, because they were high, uh, presumably, the whole yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, it used to be you had to have a castle if you were going to get into this crazy stuff, because otherwise you're going to be more concerned about, you know, like the harvest or something, you know? Like, hence the, the differentiation between pagan and, and people who live in the city back in the Roman times. Yeah. Paganus. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, we. I miss Donald Michael Craig. Oh yeah, gosh. Yeah, that's well. That's where we. That's where that argument's most famous from. And God bless him, man. What a guy. He like gave a lot of his life and time to going around, like actually going around and giving classes, not just you know. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's what. I don't know. That's just where I'm at these days. Is this stuff should be accessible too. People, yeah, people are so lost spiritually, and you know we have so a culture that's just doing a lot of messed up things to people, isolating them, not bringing them together, taking, turning them our spirituality into you know greed and consumerism. You know, at first I was worried about like I saw the online or Instagram tarot readers or spellcasters, and I was I was worried about simony on the rise, but really, you know. I'm not sure I would ever do magic for money for someone, but yeah, we had a particular brainwashing. <laughs> it's uh, it's just an interesting change to see from people, you know, promote it. You know, it, there was a you used to you know, you could be killed for this sort of spirituality for yeah. a lot of a lot of history, and it's nice to see people actually just be like, you know, who gives a fuck? Yeah, <laughs> you know, cares, and just no one and no one takes notice of it. Like you can't get people's attention with your spirituality if you yell it in their face. Yeah, like you know, if you were if you tried street preaching and you know certainly around you know, where I live, like 
people would just think it's an art performance project. In fact, we did it in seminary as an art performance project. <laughs> <laughs> we did as a project for uh, one, for our Old Testamental studies, older testamental studies. Yeah, it's not proper anymore to call it the Old Testament. You have to call it Older Testamental. Mm, interesting. Yeah, or the Hebrew Bible. And that's actually been the case for like 50 years, but there's like a 50-year lag time between the ac academia and the, the churches. Right. And the another 50 years. hasn't caught another, up. Another, I mean, another 50 years between the churches and their congregations. Yeah. <laughs> Curious to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, accessibility of teachings. And oh, yeah. I was thinking Don Michael Craig. Like, I don't think it's a know, huge secret. Uh, he's an adept with Chick Cicero's order. Um, or was. Did he leave? He he, he passed away from. Cancer. Oh right, right, yeah. I mean, I, he died an adept in Chick Cicero's order. Yes. Um, and uh, there's a few other people. Uh, uh, well, Mark. the frater I was talking to today was expressing an uh, interest in getting in touch with Cicero, and of course, I would sway him to uh, you know some of the affiliate, like a uh, you a know, Thuban? of course, um, uh, you know, uh, Yeshi is Yeshi's order. So just to clarify. For everyone, um, yet there's Yeshi, Y E S H E, the, uh, the 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 word for wisdom in Tibet, and it's a name. Uh, Yeshi Tsogil was the mother of Tibetan Buddhism. That's I have a whole podcast for that. And then there's Yeshi, Frater Yeshi, very, uh, very honored, greatly honored, some kind of honored Frater Yeshi up in. Well, uh, you know, we were talking Canada. about this before. Greatly honored is generally a term you apply to someone you recognize as the chief of an order, but it's never self-applied. Oh, or okay. Or accept self-applied. Traditionally, self-applied in certain ceremonial roles. I mean, he would actually be the one to talk to about the history of this. That either, you know, Ella Cow or something yeah. like that. I yeah, mean, I had guys... him on here. He talked for a while. Oh. You did? Yeah, that's right. You talked to Jeez. Yeah. That, I'll have to go listen to that. We, we sort of, yeah, that was, I was, uh, during, during, doctoral studies with uh, Nicholas he was not so much a, a GD guy so we didn't really talk about that much we talked more about like the the role of Italian Renaissance bleeding through that into the uh, you know the uh, Anglican Church and Evelyn Underhill right. and stuff like that that's what I was looking at so I lost track of a lot of my I did I have lost a lot of my good old GD history and and uh, fun facts though I know a lot about what's going on in chaos magic and I've always been a fan of Austin Osmond Spare, of course. Have you ever gotten into Austin Osmond Spare? No, no. Yeah, no, I think it's been a... Uh, well, that's the thing. Like, uh, a lot of the, the parts of, of religion and Kabbalah that I had a problem with, or of our orders even, was a lot of the, uh, yeah, like equating medieval cosmology and sometimes like superstition with with the uh, teachings like the practical spirituality and the the prayer and stuff shouldn't have been equated so strongly with right. the moralism of say the catholic church yeah. or some of the yeah the politics or cosmology of certain religious views like that was just absolutely absurd and it's against the vow mm -hmm. but you know like i mean that's pretty common in ours when i was when i was brought into freemasonry i was last minute had to take a vow on a British flight, which I had. They knew I had every objection to, and only afterward did I find out I could have actually been initiated into a into a Masonic lodge that's still with them, but with a different flag. But they concealed that information from me. Interesting. Hmm. Until the moment where I had to do it, and that I don't respect that stuff. So yeah. I didn't respect it in our order, though. Honestly, I was there was very. 
it was it really came out more at the end uh as far as i was concerned especially given you know how different the culture was up here and we were much more focused on on practice and just hard you know that northern mentality of just you know stay inside stay in the temple and do the work yeah, like, it was very all the time <laughs> yeah yeah we like we loved our our having such a massive temple and such a large membership and yeah, we we didn't you know go out for drinks after rituals because we were our rituals didn't end until it was maybe breakfast time. Yeah, and then we would have breakfast, sleep for fifteen minutes, and get back to it. Yeah, we'd go out to spires. To... Yeah, I miss those days though. <laughs> I, that's, it was just like, like a random diner. Four a.m. Oh, <laughs> the, I have I have photos of you and me and. And and TDL at Spires in like '99. Oh, I have cool. a bunch of crazy ones. Like, did you see the one of you in the Nemesis playing the ukulele? No. <laughs> I think I think you were like 19 at the time. There's one of you and I um, and uh, Ireland and you remember him? Yeah, I, I, I yeah I, I have lots of photos of those guys as well. Yeah, I saw CC last in uh, 2009, right before I left Ireland. Nice. Yeah. How cool. Had breakfast with him Christmas Day, and then I moved, went back up to uh, hang it with my OTO girlfriend in her uh, oasis. <laughs> I know I got to live in an OTO oasis. So when I was ten years old, my mom took us away from my dad and moved us into an OTO oasis in in our city. Really? Oh North, my god! I didn't yeah, know about that. North Vancouver, and we lived in this massive white mansion in this OTO oasis. And like, that's where I got my first book. I inherited from him, the guy who wow. ran it. My mom had a cafe that she owned with the the guy and this OTO adept. And there was all these rooms in the house I wasn't allowed to go into. I was like 10, right? And yeah. they owned a cafe called Spirals on Lower Lonsdale. Oh. And that they, it was all black painted and very sort of gothy, but sort of chic. And that that's where they would clear out and do all their rituals every night. Wow. Yeah, right. I didn't know about this till years later, of course. Well, three years later when, you know, we, well, no, two years later we joined. Uh, I had a, anyway, a copy signed by all these OTO adepts was of the Tree of Life was, you know, put in my things, I guess, or found. The, you know, Regardi's Tree of Life? Yeah, the Regardi's Tree of Life. And nice. Yeah, that was a very, uh, that's where I learned the LBRP for the first time. And after that, we, uh, we, my, we all joined uh, Amwork. Wow. And, you know, from there I got into Wicca and Druidism and, you know, eventually the Golden Dawn. So did you find a flyer? Mm, uh, yeah, eventually. But you want to hear the real irony of everything? Huh. That OTO house was uh -huh. next door to this other mansion. And that is that was the childhood home and where I met. Uh, oh, what a trip. So he was like, oh, I remember those crazy neighbors. Uh, well, no, like, I had actually met him the night before we moved into the house. He was brought over to my house because we were both sort of geek kids who had no friends and oh, my parents were wow. just He was randomly brought over to the house by my dad's best friend. And we I'll all his name, on. of course. <laughs> very next day, my mom moves us into this new place, like picks us up from my dad's house and moves us into this new, into the OTO oasis and right next to him by chance, like by sheer chance. I mean, and that's where, of course, the temple moved to before, during the schism, which you know, he caused back in 2004 and which he caused again this year, which is, you know, which is why there's this huge upset again and stuff. And all these people are like students, like neophytes and zealots. Oh, it was him. I was thinking of someone else.
no no it's like so like you know it just sucks man like to see all these like mm. you know can you imagine just getting into something as exciting as your education in in the hermetic orders and and through going through the grades and trusting your mentors and and ready to learn the mysteries and like do serious work on yourself and all of a sudden all these older senior members are like bitching about politics and and all this tedious petty stuff like that's just yeah right and trying yeah the last generation the portals at temple of isis had a real hard time with that that's just like it's just oh it's so disgusting man it's it's the same reason like i don't work for the church anymore and it's it's the reason i'm gonna keep my distance for the rest you know whatever's left of my life wow but I'm still going to do the work that I I I know what I'm called to do. So I'm going to yeah, well that's good. I mean that I, that's Gordon setting up old... certain things so that certain teachings and certain connections for students will be uh, clear and free of people like uh, David Griffin's and you know those yeah. sort of narcissistic cult leader type personalities of the world. Yeah, beware. People yeah, I mean one day. I mean ho- hopefully. I mean gosh. Their robes and jewelry or who owns libraries. Yeah, because if people Google Golden Dawn, they get two things. You know, they get these, you know, well, they get Chick Cicero eventually, but like they'll get, they'll get a EOGD, they'll get David Griffin, and they'll get, you know, the Greek Nazis. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and God, so it's like, God, where's Thuban order? Remember you know, that, where's... Remember that we got to talk about that one prophecy that prophesied the Greek Nazis and the, the current political... <gasps> Really? Like, yeah, we, it was in contact work. It was like our oh, third God. order work where it was revealed that one of the few times we did it, and I, I think we should speak about it now. I mean, we literally were told that the name of our order would become the name of a, of an evil organization, and we were also literally told that the name of even the mother goddess would become a name of hatred and terror. Wow, was like, that you guys I up in Canada got that? My diary. This was this was down at ISIS in L.A. in the night. Huh. How crazy! I'm just wondering the nature of the contact. Was it That's like a so on the nervous. Ouija board or? That was masks, mask work. That was masks. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it was the time though that that we got to do them, which was that was crazy. That corpus, Joe was there. Yeah, Joe was there. We should end with Joe. I miss Joe. Mm-hmm. Joe is like one of the best human beings I ever met. He was put through hell, of course, for his sexuality by some people, because yeah. you know even now we're you know it was it was way less enlightened times back then, and it wasn't that long ago. Things aren't that yeah. much today. I mean, fuck. He fought very hard to change to 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 just transcend everyone around his him's bullshit and transform them through his own strength of character. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking about the duality of uh, fertility and solitude, and how when you when you look at it and think about it long enough, what it all it implies. Um, that the opposite of fertility is solitude. So it implies, and it's like, okay, so this implies a female in a heterosexual relationship. Someone who is either fertile or no one's going to want them. I mean, it's nice to be able to like put it on a higher level, like a loftier level and say, well, it's the empress path or something. But um, I don't know. It's just one of those, one of those like thorn in the, you know what I mean? Like a, like how Lilith is presented in the Golden Dawn versus how people are, they know of her in popular society. It's just interesting. I don't, I don't have any solutions. Do you have any thoughts about that? No. It's, it's interesting, though. It's like I, it went by unnoticed. But now that all this Me Too stuff is, is on the airwaves, I'm like a little bit more inclined to be looking at things to see if they're inherently, 
systematically racist or, or misogynistic? Um, you know what? Like, um, yeah, this was like, a, so the, yeah, that's, that was, a, that's a huge part of, um, some of the things I talk about actually in my, my big book coming out, my big mm. academic work, which is like my opus magnum. That's like my life's work. And, uh, yeah, I studied a lot of, of endemic, uh, cultural, uh, gender issues stuff. You know, you mm. could, I studied a lot of, uh, feminist theology and feminist uh, cultural criticism, which, of course, you know, let's hopefully everyone is open to what the actual word actually means, which, uh, mm. but yeah, a lot of that thinking Equality is, between the genders? Yeah, or? like some of the books that look at just even the way we use metaphor, like the metaphors of transcendental deity or, or supernatural deity versus the body images of God that exist and that are even biblically very strongly based. Right. Um, right. I mean, like, like in the Genesis, God has a like. What's more shocking, the fact that you know God is walking around, or the fact that God has a backside? Hmm. Like, how does God have a backside? I mean, the characters of are so heavily anthropomorphized that um, it really gives us grounds to question the you know the um, transcendental view of of deity that has led to us having this pervasive view of a interventionist supernatural god who chooses when and where to act and how to act and it's great fun right. on show tv shows and other supernatural films but it's super damaging <laughs> those that's yeah. my technical term for us as a society and for us as spiritual people and uh, we're all spiritual people right so it affects our ethics our, our basic decision making factor and it leads and it ultimately leads back to our intuition, which is, you know, what the great work is sort of all about. I mean, if there's a philosophical word for our holy guardian angel, I'd say it's intuition, though. Mm. It's a heavy word. I mean, the, you know, here's a fun fact. The greatest philosopher who wrote ever on intuition and also time and memory as its basis and the basis for spirit is the French philosopher Henri Bergson, the brother of... Moina Mina Bergson Mathers. Interesting. Yeah, right. I know the coincidence is just pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> to be honest, that's my academic opinion. Bringing it uh, mainly back to Joe, I we, guess. We brought up Joe for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm still sort of. That's where I'm sort of got left. I mean, what you were mentioning uh, in the uh, the ish gender issues and stuff. I've been thinking about a lot that a lot as I've been. Uh, you know, getting back into rebuilding my circle and, and doing the work, uh, yeah. the language that was so, um, when I, when I, when I enrolled in seminary and in, and in grad school, the, I, the first, uh, syllabus, the first day of class, it, it, they specified in, in, uh, writing guidelines, no sexist language. And I was like, what's mm -hmm. that? And you're not allowed, you, there's, there's no sex, sexist language allowed. Like, yeah, if you if you you used either proper academic form to avoid gender pronouns altogether or uh, you, you know, followed the rules and there's new rules. And these were these are old now and they were but they were just coming into vogue in, in universities and I, they're taken a lot more for granted today. Like you don't so if you're math. studying a document, though, then surely you can read the document well, of course. as it is. Of course. But, yeah, then, but the then talk about the document in a way that's not racist or sexist. <laughs> well, sure, Maybe that's, pointing that's out the inherent of... racism and sexism in the document well, as you go. Yeah. Well, that, that's not a problem, of course. 
But then people, that's the only thing people will get out of it. Like, people throw the baby out with the bathwater in I general. I mean, the ad hominem fallacy is pretty, a pretty stupid one. It's hard to get around. Most people don't understand why ad hominem yeah, fallacy yeah, is a fallacy I, or that it is. The issue, let's just say the issue of anti-intellectualism that's become so pervasive <sighs> is a whole other topic that we could probably spend another yeah. two, three And a lot of that's rooted in religion, too, and Catholicism and, you know. I don't know. Or did it just, did it come out of something else and affect it? You know, that's like, we could really get into that, like, big time. I'm, there's lots to say about And there's a lot already that has been said on it, right? That's, that's yeah. one of the problems to talk about it, I think, intelligently, is like there's already... There's so much on it that we just don't even, we just mostly ignore or just don't. I know in, in America, the original teachers were indentured servants, which put them on a very low, uh, you know, class level. So education was always in the collective consciousness of the forming colonies that became the United States of America. Uh, the educator was down there with uh, Street Sweeper and a few other things. And yeah, it's interesting. It's actually characterized really well in the, in the, um, Baroque cycle by the novelist Neil Stevenson uh, in the books Quicksilver. The, they're set during uh, and they character he characterizes Isaac Newton and like like for oh, thousands of pages and like does shows you all the experiments you know brings in what bits of Kabbalah and alchemy he was into and really characterizes the fusion that was going on in as he imagines they it would have been in a mind like Isaac Newton as he's trying to differentiate what is science what is nature from what is uh, you know, alchemical blinds and occult tomfoolery. As he gradually gets mercury poisoning through his hat. And uh, spirituality, you know, like he, he had, he was looking for science in spirituality and that's yeah. going to be a needle in a haystack. Yeah. But somehow he managed to wrangle some accurate understandings of science from, you know, spiritual alchemy and all these other religious writings of the Kabbalists and such stuff and just through observation yeah. you know, he would you know like there's a there's a chilling chapter where he describes the the shrieks of a dog that's being like you know experimented on like his arms pinned to a board while still alive like you know sounds like this cry of a man you know it's like just chilling to read these vivid wow. descriptions of what what people like Newton had to do more as so far as we know to to be able to uncover and create the world we have today where we can uh you know so he was testing on animals well fuck calculus yeah, yeah I, know. <laughs> I was i was into calculus before but now i'm not into it because isaac newton tested on animals <laughs> yeah i mean the ad hominem fallacy is uh it's, you know sort of sad but not yeah you know we can't make we can't. light of yeah yeah you can't I mean, it's hard to separate those things. I mean, like Beethoven was a bit of an asshole, but we don't really remember that, you know, apparently. Like we just remember the music. Yeah. I mean, I don't I think it's it's not so bad. It's the ad hominem fallacy applies especially more to not discounting someone's work, but rather the logic. It's for very it's very formal logic and mm. thinking. It's so it's like, you know, I think it's much more it's it's not so invalid to discard someone's you can discard someone's work because they were a horrible human being, um, but you can't just throw out someone's logic because they were a horrible human being. Mm. Oh, that makes sense. Right. That makes like, that makes a lot yeah, of sense. It's like, and yeah. you can take them off you of hero say, status. Yeah, you, you can. can you like, can if we both do a math, maybe equation. remove statues of them. <laughs> yeah. If we both do a math equation, nothing either of us does can change how correct one of us is. 
in our personal yeah. lives. Nothing personal about us can affect how correct that equation is. Whereas if we do a painting of our, you know, our worst crime, then we could be demonstrating quite fairly yeah. that one of us, one of us should be discarded along with the painting. Right. <laughs> right. Cause that's awful. Get out of here. In a way, like I, 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 sometimes, I mean, a lot of my guests, you know, look to me as someone who knows more than, than they do, but you've read a lot more books and have had a lot of similar experiences as me. So like, it makes me think that, um, in a way, like being humble about one's ignorance allows for the possibility of learning and allows for the possibility of a sharing where a lot of people can listen to it like this one. Sometimes I come off as a know-it-all and I, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, I got that from my dad who actually did know it all, but his the way he spoke to his students rubbed off on me at a young age, which annoyed the fuck out of everyone. <laughs> Understandably I, I so. I had that, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I suffered that criticism like, a well, lot. Well, actually, right? technically speaking, it's like, fuck you, you're five. You know, like, you don't know shit. <laughs> so I, I went through a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's part of yeah. why being a yoga teacher works pretty well for me. You know, that's actually that one way. of the things I, I like, and, you know, if people rag on, on, on the priesthood a lot. But one of the things I liked about learning rigorous academia in a religious setting was the extra, there was an extra dose of, of humility, you know. Mm. There was definitely that because you know we we have class together and we talk about these tough subjects of, of of philosophy and history and then we'd go worship together and then we'd go mm. or we'd go do prayer or centering prayer and you know there was Wiccans and Unitarians and every it was an interdenominational seminary oh, how so interesting. so there's from every you know you had to be ultra respectful of everyone's like I mean the amount of classes we had just pa learning pastoral care for whether it's people in hospitals or like my first my first work as a priest in training at St. Augustine's was to go to old women's houses and talk to them about their husbands who had just been either dead or put in a home down the street and they only see us every Tuesday and you know I'm trying to you know think of uh, I'm trying to pastor to these people you know it's it, yeah. it, then when you go back to the rigorous academics it takes some of the snootiness out of your out of your pride mm. and and yeah, presumptiveness true. because you're face to face with the uh, the application and that's what they call praxis right theory informing practice and then practicing uh, transforming theory and i was yeah. allowed to do that in the academic environment and uh you know they don't take it too seriously as they said if the king james version was good enough for jesus it's good enough for me <laughs> that's a joke right that's a <laughs> king james version yeah so yeah, the lightheartedness around these serious, like seriously divisive subjects, could often, you know, was was just very yeah, you know, because like Howard and I, it taught me a lot. Is I thought many of many of the years I was there, I was like, if I am ever back involved in the occult world again, I I would like to bring some of that awareness and open mindedness with me because God knows it's just you know it's a any any kind of time you have groups of people, whether any organization. Uh, it's just a hotbed for narcissists and people who want power and attention and, you know, didn't, never did the work themselves. So they want to just make other people do it. Yeah. You can't do this work. You, you can't do this work except by yourself. I mean, that's it. That's probably why I feel so much today. Now I, I don't have any, I don't have any pull to. Well, the drive, unfortunately, for every one of us as adepts is to always teach. Like, we can't really escape that, I think. Otherwise, we face 
severe mania. Um, <laughs> once you reverse your your the circulation of your light from dark to light, it's yeah, it's you're projecting, not absorbing. You try it, you absorb, you know, but you don't. You absorb through projecting, and the cycle just goes the opposite direction, right? It's the difference between the lesser and the greater circul circulation lasts longer. Mm. And I've got a thing coming out on that too, which connects with my studies on the seven deadly sins and the tunnels of set. Oh, interesting. Yeah, finally releasing that document as well, but I have to retype it up from fresh because it was part of this bunch of stolen property. So I've, I've, I've recovered copies of a lot of documents, and fortunately I had some backups in some uh, secondary adept grade material that I'd recovered. So yeah, yeah just getting I that stuff out. Because a... otherwise it'll just be lost, because yeah, that was a very... You're, yeah, you're remembering the classes, yeah? Yeah, you had a, a class on um, the Dark Knight of the Soul. Yeah, and, and the Seven Deadly Sins. Oh, was that the same class? Yeah, well, there was different versions. There was version appropriate for the uh, for Practicus and for the Outer Order. Oh, and, I see. Because, uh, like, I I, I, I think that. I saw both because yeah, you taught one while yeah, I was up there. Yeah, like, you, the I was in Practicus at the time. It was part of my intense, very intense alchemy. But I was actually asked to even then give the second i did the research as uh, on it i did i used i did you know we weren't supposed to dabble in in even studying the clipote hardly at all right right and uh i mean we, yeah i mean we, point, we yeah. our order for the listeners that don't know we really separated Enochian into the second order as well as uh focused on not dabbling in anything slightly gray really even well definitely lots of gray but not definitely no no dark forces like that's just part of our uh, that was yeah. part of our thing right staying focused on the lighter as TDL would always say look up before you look down and mm. you know you want the you don't you don't want to just dive into the investigation of demons and start taking shots at the altar to some demon <laughs> I don't know I, I hear stories about what what the kids are doing these days and I, I have nothing against you know Solomonic or Gothic work or whatever but you know Again, like you don't have to work with Azrael to have your life turned upside down. I mean, mm. me yeah. and in my protege Ro, right? Uh, he and I did uh, one working with the table and the sigillum dim at, uh, and you know the original tablets that were you know were up when you and I were initiated and the sigillum, and we worked with Ave one time and we didn't talk for five years after that. Hmm. The turnover in our life after that night was. Uh, astounding. Wow. Isn't yeah. Ave the one who told Dee and Kelly to swap wives? Yeah, well, yeah, that well that's I could tell you exactly what happened, but I'll save it <laughs> in the in the uh, somewhere in that ballpark. It, 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 pretty pretty remarkably insane. Um but whatever. Wow. I mean, huh. it wasn't Yeah, it was. It was it was insane. Um but that's like <laughs> you know. Yeah. I didn't know the whole story till recently, but now I do. So it's like, I, again, I was busy living my own life. So what can I say? I, I had other things to do. Um, yeah. I've always just, I guess I've always been lucky because I've always enjoyed focusing on the work. You know, I, the Golden Dawn was escape from a very troubled home for me that was yeah. in a, with unstable, magical, and occult dignitaries that just, you know, fascinated me, but also created so much uncertainty in my mm. upbringing and childhood and, and you know, and oh, led to so much abuse, like, yeah. you know, a lot of psychological and physical abuse that it was just mm. really 
really hard to want to stay there. I need an escape. And, and, you know, Wicca wasn't quite it because the covens, you know, somehow I managed to get into the Golden Dawn. It was probably my mixture between my mom, uh, you know, the, yeah, well, the, it's described in the book. It's described. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's book, really, everybody. it's like, <laughs> it's like, well, you shouldn't read it. You should not read it. No one should read it. They should just go do it themselves and go join it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you, I, I like what Valentine Tomberg says in Meditations on the Tarot. The path of the Hermeticist is, is, is really, you know, one that you do because you have to, and you can't do any other path. I mean, he he sort of describes it almost like it is a, a path for the disabled, the spiritually uh, mm. disabled, and and uh, and and we do stuff that no one else will do or can do or want to do, and even if that's just to provide a pathway of spirituality and, and uh, transformation for uh, the few of us that there are called to it. Yeah. That's interesting. I was reflecting while you were saying that on, uh, we can also it was a... my motto, my outer order motto was meant is, is, was, is rumpens catenae, which in Latin means broken of chains. So like, oh, interesting. it was pretty much in the cards for, to be a traumatic bumpy ride. Yeah. And the order I was thinking was about like, how the uh, very much right, and it I'm was sorry, a fun- the the order you see the order, you mm-hmm. guys and my life with you guys and in the order international was because it was so big when we were in it. It was big, like you know, there's just temples everywhere, and we were flying to Strasbourg or all over the place. Yeah, um, it was a help much more functional family than the one I came from. Right. Yeah, and yeah. My mom sort of trusted it, I guess, with my family's background in Freemasonry and her own backgrounds with different groups. And, you know, we were raised in, in as a yogic family in Eastern Vedic spirituality. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Lots of biography. <laughs> well, hey. Well, thank you so much for being our guest on the Esoteric Nerd podcast today. Yeah, you're welcome. Should we end with the end with the prayer? For sure. Uh, Would you like should, to say a prayer? We could do the. We could do the the the. Do you, if you have time, we could do the invocation for Joe. The the invocation. We could just yeah. We could do that for Joe right now. What invocation? The Azrael. Oh, you want to run through the Azrael invocation? Well, we could just read it. For yeah, go, do, go go ahead. Yeah, if, unless you've got a rush, I have like. Oh no! Go for it. All right. Yeah, that way people can see if they like it, or that way Joe can hear us. I don't know. I miss that guy, man. That's life's yeah. too short, way too short. And I uh, know he was forty-four. It's really changing my perspective on like what I'm doing in my life in the present day. You know, like I'm yeah, thinking well, too much about retirement and not enough about what I'm doing right now. <laughs> you know, so I'm moving that way. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm pretty much you know moving on from my whole life here as well. So. Yeah, we'll see yeah. each other on the road, brother. Yeah. All right. So, uh, do you have it in front of you? Yeah, here we go. They're sort of poetic, aren't they, in their structure? For Joe. Hekas, hekas, este bibloi. In the name of the Lord of life and the Lord of death, in the name of all the ageless forms that pass like shades and shadows into Hades and Sheol, do I invoke the angel of the powers of death? between the present and the past, between this world and the next, by those powers and spirits and dominions of the universe, I invoke the holy angel from the water of life. 
Azrael. O thou child of the great transformers, I invoke thee to me in this darkest of hours. Raise me from the ashes where I lie unto thee. Bring me as a phoenix to the true life above, Azrael. Angel of death, angel of change, gird us with thy strength to overcome our deep fears. Azrael, bring us to you across the river of dreams. Take us to you from this world to that other. Azrael, release us from this cycle of death and rebirth. Azrael, bear us to the kingdom where shadow is shown to shadow and face meets darkling face in you. Angel of the wings of visions am I. Mover of the boat and collector of the coins, I am the heart that longs for its release. I am the tear that desires to run dry. I am the hand that reaches and takes hold of naught. I am the nothing and the all of the earth. I am the cat that wakes in the night, the lark without voice. My song is a dirge to the life uncreated. Hollow is the mind that dwells not on me. Empty is the dream that dreams not of life's end. I am the passer of those in between. Crooks level bar of iron to the heaven of night. Walker in two worlds is my name. Kiss my cheek and I will smile, and we shall be one in the sight of the Lord. A universe is born in the palm of my hand, and to dust all is made when I close my eyes. I am the slayer of all wicked dreams, the destroyer of all thoughts and feelings perverse. Hand in hand do I walk with life, and never shall my way be lost to you. All paths are my path, all roads are my road. I am the toll and the ferryman of all. My wings shall bear you and my arms embrace. All hearts are restless until they rest in me. I am the shadow on the hill at sunrise. I am the knight who battles till dawn. And never shall my sword arm fall in its fight. Never shall I lose in God's battle for the light. In every spark of light do I hide. When you lie by yourself, I lie at thy side. Be with me and in me and through me, and you will meet the self who is in you and yet who dwells in my land. I am the life that is laid down for death, and I am the death that leads to new life. Child am I of the forces of time, master am I of your soul's resting place. Walk now thy way upon the pathway to truth, fall not to the side and to the shells that await. Walk on with me and keep fast my hand, thy land is a land of out of sight. Enter with me to the kingdom of light. Sheol and Shemaim are the worlds between. Between these two shall you call up to me. Come thou forth and follow me, for all that has lived is subject unto me, and every spirit of the black earth and spirit of the light air within Shemaim and down in Sheol, upon the land and in the water, of raising cyclone and scorching fire, and every spell and spirit of God the vast one knows my name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We'll talk soon, brother. Absolutely. Peace. Peace. Much love. Thank you, Frater R.C., for being our guest on the Esoteric Nerd Podcast tonight. Thank you to Susumu Ueda and his father and the other monks at Jofukuin for the music you're hearing right now. Thank you to Camille and Kennerly for the harp intro and outro to the episodes themselves. Thank you to Koji Kondo for the theme to Zelda and indeed many other original NES games. 
Special thanks to Wolfsheesh Kilar, I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, for the soundtrack to Bram Stoker's Dracula. Special thanks to Yakety Sax for the theme to The Benny Hill Show. And, most importantly, thank you to you, the esoteric nerd listening to this podcast. Keep an eye on the crookedpath.biz for more information about the 360-degree live seance that I'll be attending at 8.30 p.m. Halloween night. Thank you all for tuning in. Good night.